Welcome to the Kingdoms Podcast, sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Ladies and gentlemen, you're once again welcome to another episode of the Kingdoms Podcast. I've got exciting news for you. You can now contribute to your favorite podcast by signing on to our Patreon. Go to the Patreon link in the description and you can contribute to the growth and development of your favorite podcast with as little as $5 monthly. Also, do not forget to sign up for your MBA program with the Ottman Business School see the code uh in the description with the code kingdom sport 30 you can sign up for 30 percent discount on the program here's a word from our sponsors life is way more important than sales you're not going to know what's going to be the problems and what are the challenges that you're going to face and my job is to help you understand how sales helps you succeed at life by the end of that phone call my hand was shaking so badly i could not hold a pen to write i called my manager john and i said i might have just killed jeff bezos the end result of Google acquiring YouTube for $1.65 billion is compressed into five days. You're being taught by actual people who have done it. The founder of Shazam, the founder of Lime, the founder of Eventbrite, the founder of Waves, the founder of YouTube, and others are going to help you understand how they did it. It is the best experience that you can have. You're going to see some truly remarkable results. Let's go. This is a lifetime lesson. So start now. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are live on the Kingdoms Podcast. Welcome to the Kingdoms Podcast. And of course, today I have with me a very special guest. And of course, I'm going to give him the Bruce Buffer introduction. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we are live. From the King Babes podcast, we have with us Charles Adache Oche, aka Young Jolla, with a professional record of two wins and zero losses, fighting out of the capital of Nigeria, Abuja. Big welcome to the King Babes podcast, Oche, Young Jolla, Adache. Thank you very much, brother. <laughs> Actually, thank you. Thank you. That was, I don't think anybody has introduced me like that on any podcast before. So, yeah, thank you. Wow. I'm doing great, wow. man. I'm doing great. Wow. Interesting, interesting, fantastic one. You know, you're a great man. And of course, like, congratulations on your on your role as a commentator, you know, in uh, in MMA Nigeria. You're, you're one of the frontline guys when it comes to mma in nigeria when you think mma in nigeria you think you know you're one of those faces in the front line so how, how does it feel being in the front line for mma in nigeria okay first of all it's humbling it's it's humbling um i can't i can't use any other word to describe it besides humbling because we started doing i started doing mma five years ago I started with the aspirations of being an athlete. I wanted to go to the UFC. 
my coach back then, Mayo Icebox Okunu, the head coach at Body Rocks Fitness Studios. He was he had this whole amazing trajectory for my career. We did we're gonna have a few local fights. Um to... so Mayo was the mastermind, if you could, behind my growth in the sport of mixed martial arts in Nigeria. Mayo, of course, is was my head coach, is is one of my closest friends and one of the actual pioneers behind martial art, mixed martial arts and combat sports in Abuja. He was the first person that that popularized setting up a cage as opposed to using a boxing ring to conduct your sport uh, MMA shows. He employed a lot of the international rules set in the early MMA competitions that used to take place here and it was under his fight promotion that i had my two amateur mma fights and that spring but that was the springboard for my career as an analyst as a commentator as a coach because i coached under his i started coaching fighters under his gym as well um cornered fighters on under his gym then i started doing commentary when my commentary career started with commentating shows with him then we launched the combat culture africa podcast together so Mayo, I can't talk about my rise or my growth in this sport, even my understanding on a technical level, my development as an athlete without giving thanks to God and then calling Mayo's name afterwards because Mayo, Mayo, Mayo really put me on the right track. So that's the first thing I think, having a solid team, having intelligent people, despite the fact that we're in Nigeria, we still come together despite the challenges, despite the pitfalls that surround us, we still put one and two together to make magic happen. And we've done it consistently for five years. And another thing that you have to be grateful for is wisdom and foresight. So if you, if, if as early as 2019, if you go on YouTube, you see videos of me saying, yo, I can see the development of the sport. We need, we need to start getting smart people involved now before things get popular. We need to start getting things regulated right. We need athlete pay to be negotiated properly. We need athlete representation, the health health insurance. We need people to be more better taken care of in their health, in their recovery phase during their training. Like these are things that four of us, me, Mayo, Chidi, and Skelly, on, the, on our little desk at the back of the gym, after we would be done training, we'd do jujitsu on Saturday morning, then we would go to the back of the gym, then turn on the lights, get off our camp, get our little cameras, get our mixer, connect my laptop, and then we would record. You would see us saying a lot of the things that are now happening. Kamaru Usman coming wow. to Nigeria, we called it out a month wow. or two before global betting organizations. We, we did, we were ahead of the curve. We still are. And I just feel that that's, that's one, those are some of the, the elements that, that, and then just raw, like, look at my cup, like, look, I was written on my cup. This is my motto for life. Yeah. It might be it, when, when I die, this might be written on, on my tombstone. That's how, that's how near and dear this is to me. So a lot of discipline, um, late nights, early mornings, not just on the on the physical side of training, the mental side, understanding the business side, understanding the media side, understanding the legal side, how it all comes together and how can we make it better for Nigerians? How can we take what the UFC has in America and then further distill that and make it perfect, an African martial arts 
promotion and African martial arts representation agency for African athletes, Nigerian athletes. How can we take the good that we've seen manifested by the UFC over the past 25 years, then compress that into like the next five, 10 years. And, and most importantly, because we're trying to do this to alleviate the poverty of the athletes. It's not about making money. It's about making life better. There are so many poor people here. Many of them, if you come, when you come to Nigeria, we'll go for a fight show together. You see how these guys, with the little they have, some of them is just bread and coke. Coke, they'll, they'll eat and drink before coming for their fights that day. I've seen guys that have come for fight to they'll, they'll fight a boxing show now. You with you, six p.m. They go get into the car with their manager. They are going to another fight show somewhere by nine, and they are fighting mm. two times in one night. How much are they paying one them? Night. Here they gave you, they gave one guy twenty five k to fight. They gave another guy. Um, uh, his second fight, they gave him 30k. Maybe the second fight he lost, they only give him 15,000. So that's what 45, 30,000, 35,000 naira for fighting two times in one night. That's crazy. We can do better. That's crazy. So, so that's, that's sort that, of that's where I come in. Crazy. And um, yeah, I, I, I hope I answered the question. Uh, you more than answered the question. And of course, right, we'd definitely like to know much more about like the MMA scene in Nigeria, right? But then before we get back to the MMA scene let's you know talk much more about you so for you how do you describe yourself on a personal mm. basis mm. well I would start by saying I'm deeply flawed <laughs> but my awareness of my of of my flaws is where some some of my greatest strengths manifest I used to think that mm. I was a lazy lazy person and because I used to think I was mm. a lazy person I acted in a lazy way. I always made excuses. I never took responsibility. But life comes at you hard. As much as I don't like Nigeria, I don't like what Nigeria does to people. I don't like how Nigeria forces people to lower their standard of living. I don't like all those things. There are many powerful things about being in an environment that forces you to be under high levels of stress and high levels mm -hmm. of pressure morning afternoon and evening now so I, you have to acknowledge the downside the downside is that so many people get trampled as a result of how inefficient and how how how, I, how i'm picking my words very very i'm trying to speak my words very intelligently carefully carefully you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but so many people, is, like, right? yeah 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 <laughs> So, sorry, so sorry people... to interrupt you, right? Speaking, yeah, yeah. speaking of market inefficiencies, so I, I yeah. studied economics, right? And it's mm -hmm. like one of those things that, you know, we're core, especially in terms of develop development economics. So development economics mm. is basically the economics of countries that are mm. developing, mm. right? So you see that there are a lot of inefficiencies mm -hmm. within those markets. And however... Mm -hmm even with those inefficiencies, right, it creates a lot of market gaps that if yeah. you as an individual are able to identify those market gaps, you could help you enrich yourself as a person. Of course. Of course. Of and course. I, 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 I see you. I see you closing yeah. some of those yes. market gaps as well. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've, Let's go. you've highlighted you've highlighted how how I think how I think in a nutshell. That's my philosophy right there. I, because you're in this environment where all these efficiencies exist economically, infrastructurally, everywhere you look, nothing helps you grow. 
in this environment. It forces it's so, so the what I was trying to say earlier is the drawback is so many people get lost by the wayside. So many people get their dreams get trampled. So many people don't, don't just get broken emotionally, physically traumatized. And that kind of damage, it can take a lifetime to recover from it. We're all recovering from it every day. And every day the environment mm -hmm. is putting more on you. So that's the drawback. But the positive now is if you do manage to find some light at the end of the tunnel and this is not about financial or monetary gain now you find a way to live a meaningful life in this place amidst all these challenges amidst all the pressure amidst all the stress what you will find is the people that will come out on the other end of that tunnel as narrow as it is they may be some of the most resilient, tenacious, and creative people you will ever meet just because the environment has honed them and polished them and forced them. It's not like they want, it's not like any of us wants to suffer. It's just like now, just be in the course of us recording this, I had to go to switch to my inverter. That inverter, as at last year, it cost about 650,000 naira just to put that together. But that had to be done if I'm going to have a career as a, an analyst, as a commentator, as and you make those sacrifices. Where did that money come from? Blood, sweat, and tears. But you make the sacrifices. Mm -hmm. You have to. So that's that's on a personal basis. If you want, if I want to describe myself, I would say my flaws are the things that have led me to the place of my greatest joy, the place of my destiny, the place of my fulfillment, the things that used to make me insecure. My my body, my 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 resilience how lazy i was how i couldn't start a project and finish it how i would go on instagram and just be scrolling and looking at meaningless things and chatting with girls that i had no business chatting with but just because i had no self-control no discipline i didn't know i didn't have a direction i didn't have a place but martial arts helped with it helped with many of those things when i was competing the only thing that mattered was who i was fighting the only thing that mattered was my training. I and and because of I, I'm also an obsessive person. So I started with my flaws, but my strength is I'm deeply obsessive. If I love something, I will go to heaven and I will go to hell to make sure that I see it, to, that I enjoy it, that I witness it at the highest level. I also don't believe in making excuses. I am delusional in that sense. I create myths in my head that helped me navigate the turbulent waters of Nigeria. So if you mix those personality traits coupled with the discipline, the focus, the mental skills, the soft skills that martial arts builds for you, it does all those things. It, 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 if you mix all of them, then you have me and you just have a guy that just wants to keep doing better every day. I believe in discipline. I believe in pushing myself. I believe in being the light when things are dark i believe that your your salvation comes from your own your own self i don't my government has failed me my 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 dreams in the past what i thought i wanted they failed me but what the thing that hasn't failed me is what i have here and so i've learned to hone that and harness that and i've seen that beautiful things come over come can really do happen when you sacrifice yourself and put your best foot forward and mma is one of the manifestations of that i've seen it in my career i've seen it in software development i've seen it in my social development like just how i can even narrate this with clarity with you these are mental skills that i didn't have before 
but having just time and discipline and repetition and study and every day just chipping at that block every day a little bit even though it's not i don't get the full statue in a month but at least if i chip at it one day every day for six Even months miracles can happen and exactly and that's it hmm, interesting like while you're speaking about you know you thinking of yourself as a lazy person right it kind of resonated with me and i think um when i was in my 20s at some point i told my mom that I feel like I'm I'm quite I'm lazy but brainy. Yeah, that's that that's the way I used to put it. Lazy but brainy. And then she told me, mm. you know, you're my son. I know I know you. I do not think you're lazy. I only think you've not found something you're very passionate about. Yeah, that that, that connects with you as well, right? Uh oh, if you're passionate oh, about oh. something and you're somebody who is of above average intelligence right and you're able-bodied trust me you would always you know putting your energy towards you know making that thing happen so uh, a lot of people do not realize that they lack motivation right they lack motivation however motivation is like fuel and sometimes it gets exhausted whenever motivation is lacking whenever motivation fills you discipline is what takes you through and i love the fact that you also spoke a lot about discipline earlier right when you when when, when you mix the ingredients of motivation and discipline you become a very very unstoppable human being kudos to you and <laughs> how are you yeah. doing and by god's yeah. grace i hope to yeah. see you do uh, a lot of great stuff uh, in the future so just keep it up that thank you discipline thank you and the motivation definitely it's going to take you places but then it's a thing that i've seen resonate in my own life as well so yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know um the the, the 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 tagline of this podcast right is sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things so we are ordinary people but then we've been able to like do extraordinary things, you know, in the course of our lives. But then mm-hmm. you see, it's just that extra you add to the ordinary that makes you extraordinary, right? And that 100% enables the right motivation and of course discipline. A lot of people are motivated, but then they don't have that discipline to pull through because discipline is what helps you ensure consistency, right? There, there are days you wake up, you don't feel like training. But the discipline is what pushes you through. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so of course. Kudos see you. Kudos see you on that one. So thank you, man. Uh, thank the you. The next question. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> the next question, right? I have is how was childhood and growing up like for you? Because in order to understand a person well, and you know, I ask every guest to this question, I like to know what their childhood was, because the childhood is the bedrock, is the foundation or forming the personality that is you so what, what would you say about your childhood and you know the brain up uh first of all shout outs to my mom and dad <laughs> they're, 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 they're amazing people the the pillars of my of my childhood my mom and dad um just really hard working really devout spiritual and consistent human beings they were there for me at every single point that i could have gone wrong 
because for all these positives that that all of us are blessed with if you harness your skills in the wrong manner uh it can still it can be a source of disaster for you and my parents were always there to just consistently put me at the right right path now my i had i have five siblings i am the last child and my immediate senior brother is older than me with six years so what that meant was there was a there, there was a massive gap between my siblings and myself and there was a massive variety of personalities to choose from between all of them so they all rubbed off on me in different ways i have two sisters and i have three brothers then i'm the last child and the last son so my brothers were all athletic they they, they all still play basketball um, one of them represented the nigerian national team um, for basketball the other two uh, played actively all through and still play actively the other is an active is a really fit and athletic human being so there, my mom also competed in her school in the house sports she almost represented benway state in athletics so my mom was an athletic person and my dad is a farmer so my dad um, loves to provide food my dad also still goes to the farm every single day even now till today i'm sure right i'm supposed to go visit him after this podcast wow. and he's likely going to be at the farm wow. if i don't get there get there on time and he's and, and he's 79 years old he walks the entire length wow. and breadth of the farm he 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 plucks the oranges he does everything so there was a heavy it, it was instilled in me from an early age that there's just an importance on taking care of yourself uh, learning about your health and what you're eating and being competitive like being an athlete i always wanted to be an athlete but i always felt insecure because i used to be i used to and i still am a very lean person but despite the fact that, um, that <laughs> the skinny kid. Yeah, my family my, my family yeah I, I can't i can't talk about my family without like if i was to talk about my family it would just take the entire podcast like they they nah. i look at them in the, as individually and i can just see myself like i can see who i can see this person and their personality inside of me i can see my father and his person i can see my mom and that, having that solid structure just to ground me whether i was skinny whether i was lazy whether they, it, they all of them rubbed off on me and, and they really helped sharpen me so my early childhood was just mainly spent just copying and imitating them i i think one of my one of my skills is i'm i'm a very good imitator like i'm really good at seeing something and just picking it once and i think that came from a childhood of just being surrounded by siblings that you just wanted to impress that you just wanted to spend time with you always wanted to be cool enough to hang out with them you always wanted to be interested in things they were doing so they would spend time with you so you just learned, end up learning how to copy and i learned very early that copying copying is copying can copying can help teach you a lot of things so yeah, that's that's my childhood, I believe. Observe and replicate. <laughs> Interesting. So, like, aside from your family, like, who were the other early life influences that, that shaped your character? Um, it's going to sound really funny, but the two, the two, the three things I can point out that will tell that that influenced me the most growing up were one, church, because my mom is a spiritual person my mom made me go to church with her every single day catholic mass every evening 6 p.m so i used to spend a lot of time in church the second was that i used to play a lot of video games as a child because when you're going to church every day as a kid all you want to do as a kid is play and play 
you can't play when you're going to church. So my outlet was video games. I used to play so much. So like up till now, I have a YouTube channel dedicated to video games. Like so, video games were my way to learn. I learned so much of my English vocabulary through playing video games, hand-eye coordination, um, repetition skills, rhythm, pattern recognition. So many things that video games helped me learn as a child. Then the third one, wow. the third one was TV, American TV, Amer American entertainment. I, I consumed so much TV as a child, so much. Like even now that I'm doing all this streaming and stuff, I know part of it is rooted in just Western entertainment. I used to go out and play with my friends, but my parents were, were strict. So I used to spend a lot of time indoors. I got exposed to the internet very early. I So yeah, <laughs> that video games, uh, video games, Amer Western entertainment and church those are the three things that that i would say wow. besides my family yeah interesting you know uh while i was in uni right i did uh some elective courses in sociology and then in sociology they say um the uh, the institutions right that influence on people i think number one institution is, is the family uh social institutions yeah they say family they say um, religious institutions the media as well so you you were actually referring to those institutions which <laughs> just reminded me of you know sociology classes uh, from back mm -hmm. in the day so it's inter mm -hmm. interesting so it's nice to see that you know those um institutions those fundamental institutions did actually um influence you as a person yes. but um what uh, so, so what were your childhood dreams and aspirations i wanted to be a video game maker see how, how quickly i answered this I've been this is the way I've answered this question since I was eight years old. I wanted to make video games. I've always wanted to make video games. I will make video games, but I have to take a temporary bus stop now to develop myself as a human being so that my experiences can further shine forth when that time comes. Um, but yeah, video games were what I would answer. But then as time went on, I wanted to, to play basketball competitively. So I played really hard in secondary school and I got the award for best basketballer in my set, uh, CKC Guagolada. Shout outs to my set who graduated in 2018. Uh, yeah, shout outs to them. And then, but after basketball, because, you know, athletes as a child, Nigeria, Nigeria comes at you hard. When we were playing, playing basketball, we were like 17. We're saying, okay, we'll graduate and we'll get to try and send our footage. We're already trying to come up with cameramen to the basketball court to record us doing stuff so we could send our, our these things out to scouts because we didn't even know that we were disadvantaged we just said okay this is what we can do to put ourselves out there so mm. even after we would we would go finish from school we would go to the basketball court in area 10 on an afternoon when nobody is there so one day there was a cameraman with a with camera crew and they recorded us playing and then i don't even know what the, one of us tried to use it to go but he ended up not getting in and that window by the time we were 18, we saw that you know, the people that you would be competing against are like 16 mm -hmm. years of age and they've been doing this since they were nine. And you're just watching videos on the internet and going to the basketball court. You're so far behind on, on the curve in that regard that I ended up letting that dream go. Then I started focusing on software development. I wanted to be a web developer. Then go, shout outs to God Almighty in heaven. I managed to pull that one off. I went to the University of Bolton, Greater Manchester, after the sacrifices of my parents, my dad especially, sold his shares in, uh, let me not even spill the beans too much, but he sold his shares just to give me the opportunity to complete my education. Um, my friend, my best friend's mom 
also sponsored my first year of, of tuition. So I managed to get into the UK because there was no money. Got into the UK, failed my first semester, bombed completely because I got into a relationship with this babe that I just had no business dating at the time. But I was a young man free from my parents' house that I had been going to church every single day. So I needed to explore my freedom a bit and it led me to get almost all Fs in my first semester. And uh, I had this conversation with my mom and dad. Yeah, and I got in on to second year. I didn't start from first year because I I did a diploma course in Abuja that earned earned me credits with specific institutions in the UK. Because you have to understand, I didn't have money. So I had to cut as many corners as I could towards getting a higher education in a foreign institution. So what I did was I did a, a diploma course with Aptech in Abuja, then I transferred their credits to the University of Bolton, which got me to skip the first year. Then I got in on the second year, meaning, and it's a three-year course, meaning I only needed to do two years in college, university instead of, of three. So getting in on my, set, on my second year, I failed my first semester horribly. And I've always been an honest, straightforward person. Even when I mess up, I, I try to own up to it. So I called my parents and they, I emailed them the results and they saw it and I called them. Uh, and my mom, this is one of this conversation I'm about to tell you about is possibly the conversation that, but I don't know which other conversation. Well, there are a few conversations, but this one with my mom possibly set me up for who I am today. Like who I, I, I probably mm. would not be talking to you right now if I didn't have this conversation. Very important and one. I just, and my mom just asked, yeah, she just asked me on the phone, actually, I've seen your results. Is this the best you could do? And I said, yeah, um, I failed, but it really was my best. I couldn't, with everything going on here, I'm learning how to live. I'm learning how to provide for myself, take care of myself. I, I, I really, this is the best I could do. And she just said one thing. She said, if it, if it was the best you do, your dad, you, that you could do, your dad and I just want you to know that we love you. Bro, oh. as that call ended, I just went to my room, cleaned my room, took off my laptop, cleaned everything that was a distraction, deleted all the video games. I stopped playing video games for like a, a couple years after that, just because of that conversation. And I went to the library. I went to the to see my my professors. Told them, yo, um, what what are the chances of me bouncing back from this? I said, yo, if you're serious you can still get yourself a good grade when you graduate because you started from the second year. You didn't start from the third year like the other Nigerians that came. So I said, okay, what do I need to do? He gave me some e-books. He gave me some extra books in the library that I should go read. And I just went, I spent my entire Christmas just studying, preparing, because remember, I'm an obsessive person. And they had, my mom had finally given me something she had given me what like how you highlighted earlier motivation i had somebody to believe in me i had somebody in my corner and that was the game changer so i went to the library sorry my they just brought the power and my inverter is is signaling me just give me a second let me switch it back okay fine Yeah, I'm, I'm back, man. <laughs> Let me take a sip. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we still like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
so um i yeah so remind me where did i stop exactly uh talking about the motivation from your mom yeah and i just went and i studied i went i, I made I, I i i just studied i just studied i got myself um, enrolled in extra classes to learn how the british british education system works um but how to just better prepare present my essays how to better answer questions how to better study how to better code program so i learned just reading and um, I, I, my results came in for the next semester and I got all A's that semester. And my, my professor, uh, Rob Patterson, shout out to Rob Patterson. Rob, was, Rob said, Yo, if, you keep, if you keep this up, you might be able to get yourself a really, really good grade. He wasn't specific and that was extra fuel, continued, made some good friends. But don't get me wrong, I was still a wild animal because I still used to go to the club almost every day. It's just that I, 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 I knew that there was a greater i had my priorities right now and so i would go clubbing every like when i when i don't have money i would even trek from from our accommodation to city center to go to the free clubs that have free entry so you don't have to pay money going just dance have fun talk to girls then walk back home in the morning but still make your make sure your ass is in the library by 6 a.m and so that was how i, I managed to get through and my final year i graduated the first class and it was uh, first class wow. in computing yeah so wow. that was in 2013 and um i came back to nigeria afterwards uh yeah so <laughs> so that that's, was education, that, that's a great <laughs> that, 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 that's a great comeback story that's a great oh, comeback oh. story um oh. but then you know me uh i i can't i can relate with your story uh, to some extent so speaking of being an immigrant right i'm an immigrant in the uk and i can understand you being an immigrant in the uk and being a student it's even like more difficult because you're not like earning uh, money for yourself and i think there's a maximum number of hours you can even work that's like 20 yep. hours right you're yep. allowed to work as a student and when people ask me about adjusting to life in the UK, I always tell them the very first year is the toughest. If you're able to scale through the first year, it becomes easier going forward because you would have seemed to have cracked the codes of the environment. But then there are a lot of culture shocks coming from Nigeria. There's a lot to adjust to, especially the weather, right? And if you're fortunate to, to, to be coming in around winter, Winter could be depressing and being alone in a new environment can really mess up with your mental health. So I'd like for you to talk about your time in the UK, right? The first year, the second year, How, were you two years, right? In the UK or three years? Yeah, two years, two, two years. Yes, two years. two years, right? So, 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 so let's break it down the first year versus the second year so how did you adjust and then you spoke about that you know wrong relationship that you were in you know mm -hmm. sometimes you know relationships can be a blessing or a curse depending on who you are you're mingling with so touch on that up a little bit uh, mm -hmm. before uh, we proceed so how, how did you adjust okay. the environment okay okay first year versus second year first year i got in 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 this january so i got in in winter as a day i had in the heat of winter terrible, had, terrible in the heat it, it, 
heat in the literal heat of winter i got in didn't have any way to get to my destination so i got i made the day one mistake of booking one of those black cabs i didn't come into the uk with a lot of money i came into the uk with 320 pounds that's that's what my parents gave me and i came in with that so on the first night i spent 25 of those of out of that already just getting to student accommodation then there was the understanding transportation how to navigate the environment using the bus yeah you always, <laughs> yeah, yeah. always get lost yeah you always get lost and then walking i started i had to, i started walking there, like because my parents were made us have um, physical activity it was something my parents encouraged so walking was something that, that has always come naturally to me so walking everywhere then walking in the cold then making friends because the first people you you run into obviously will be the people of your culture people in your classroom but that are generally nigerians and sadly we didn't have it wasn't always the best crop of guys a lot of them got into credit card fraud a lot of them got into really terrible things that it's like it's, I, I have a classmate that was featured on linda ikeji's blog for internet cross-border like fraud like that's how deep fraud went in that part of the uk and, and just around the uk nigerians really just got their hands into all sorts of dirty things so i was approached on a number of occasions to join but i've never been that kind of person so i, I never said yes and to gives it, us a bad reputation so navigating friend gives us a bad reputation man and then navigating relationship friendships now was hard so I, I had to, I was alone most of the time. I was already an introvert before I went to the UK, but because it was hard for me to make friends, like, especially because I, I initially I was trying to make friends with Nigerians because those were the people I could relate with. That made me really introverted mm -hmm. in my first year, but, and then money too, because there was a lot of insecurity for not being able to pay rent. I like not even being able to pay rent, just I couldn't afford to do things. Like I, I never really went to McDonald's, never really went to KFC. Not because i didn't want to do those things but just because i couldn't afford it so i was the guy that from day one i found out where they sold indomie i found out where they sold eggs and i cooked at home and it's because my parents had drilled it in my head that almost we don't have one you can see we don't have so just go out there and do the best you can so from day one my expectations were very low i didn't do even the club i used to go see how i highlighted it i said i used to walk because I, that means I don't have to pay any money. I can just go have a good time. You go to the free ones, make, the free make ones. Some new friends. But that was even. <laughs> yes, the free ones were the free ones. Once in a while, something good might come my way. Somebody might really like me. A friend might take me out. But for the most part, my first year in the UK was just spent indoors and adapting to all these new changes that you highlighted this culture shock, the weather, the, the food the getting from place to place navigating transportation and it was hard it was hard I, I won't lie i wasn't really a fan of my entire experience like while i was there because it was it was colored with hardship and i think it's a fair assessment for me to make it's not i don't have that many like i had a few things one of them was basketball let me give my let me go give say give credit where credit is due the both the bolton um, university basketball team gave me a direction because i i joined the team we used to go to manchester to play against other schools we used to go to salford we used to go around and then we would go out as a team on nights out go to clubs go go drinking go bowling and that used to give filling my 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 idle time then and then i i had some a few friends 
that I made. One of them, Mohamed Bika, is an amazing guy. Amazing guy. We met in the final, our final year of university, and that it was just like like white on rice, like we were inseparable. And we both used to go to the library together. And he was one of the people that got me to graduate with the first class because we both graduated with first class degrees together. And we're, wow. I think only four of us graduated with first class degrees and two of us were there. And he was one of the only first people that told me, Oche, I believe in you, you can turn this like this thing around and get turn your results into a first. So I made some solid relationships and I learned the, the importance of hard work. That's what the UK did for me. So so I've given you my first year. I'll be very brief with the second year. The second year, my confidence started to grow. I started to learn about myself more because um, I, I spent so much time alone. So I used to spend a lot of time ad advertising myself for jobs now, like customer service jobs, jobs that had to do with being outgoing, things that Nigerians and, and immigrants generally wouldn't do. You would see me on the, on the front just saying, oh, I can do it. Like my, cause I was just so much more confident because I had survived that first year. And hunger and poverty teaches you a lot of, of things. Like you just, you just start to harness <laughs> your personal <laughs> treasures and that's why the so second year i got a job yeah the drive so second year second year two two notable things happened second year i i did security work for the london 2012 olympics which led to a whole suite of experiences that further changed me and defined me and then in that same year and that was the first year i, I graduated i got a i got 1200 pounds for doing about 15 days of work with the London 2012 Olympics. And that was the most money I had ever earned in my life at that point in time. But at the same time, it meant we had to, I was the first time I was sleeping in a tent and I was sleeping in outdoors. And we had to be there at really odd hours to make sure that the place was secure for the athletes. And you would, I had never done a job that consisted of standing for nine hours straight. Then you have like a 30, 30 minute break in between. I'd never experienced that before then, walkie talkies and, I had, it was just a whole thing. And there were so many mm. positives because it's it broadened my horizons. But at the same sorry time, to, bro, really, sorry it, to interrupt it, you yeah. here. Sorry to interrupt you here, right? Now you, yeah. you, you said there are so many positives, right? Uh there's something I like to tell people. It is essential to push yourself, yeah. to push yourself beyond frontiers, beyond boundaries of things that you typically do, because in those moments you get to learn more about yourself if you don't push yourself to do things that you don't do typically you will learn more about yourself so true in order to bring you back right so please ensure to 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 mention to highlight things that you learned about yourself from this particular yeah. experience of pushing yourself oh, wow. to earn you know, so much money at that in time because one thousand two hundred mm. pounds mm. is a lot of peas for a student. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's a lot yes. of peas for a student. Yes, uh -huh. yes. Because there are people yes. who do full time jobs, right, and earn one thousand two hundred as mm -hmm. the the month. Yes. So yes, please just you know. Uh, man, the, the positives were many. The positives were many. The positives were really many. We le I learned the importance of clarity and communication because you, you you are dealing with people from so many varied nationalities so many different backgrounds it's the olympics people are flying in from south america people are flying in from north africa 
all kinds of things for different roles. Some of them are journalists, some of them are media people. And yeah, you, you're just a regular security guy standing at your post and reporting on the, on the walkie-talkie. But when a call comes through on your walkie-talkie, you have to be clear in one, understanding what this person is saying and two, what you're responding back to them. Is your information making sense? Like, are you just say, responding because you feel the pressure to respond or do you have something something to communicate so communication i started to learn the importance of communication because i was like this is the first time i'm I'm on a global i'm seeing what the global scene is like what it's like to be at, at working at the forefront of at the the entire world is watching this hussein bolt was at that olympics like that was a big olympics and i was there so in my mind as a young student with limited opportunities, I was like, what can I learn? What can I take from this? So the first thing I saw was that the guys that did well were people who could communicate. They were not, they were not the people who were the most skilled or experienced. It's the people who, even when they would be asking you questions, they would be very clear in what they were requiring you, requiring from you with the question. And it even made answering the question easy. So I was like, okay, that's something I need to learn about. I need to learn how to communicate briefly. I need to learn how to communicate succinctly. I need to learn how to communicate. So communication. The next was just understanding that a lot of what is required to perform at the highest level is just doing the low-level stuff with high efficiency. So even though you're standing for nine hours and it's really exhausting to stand for nine hours, all you need to be able to do is your job with the utmost efficiency you don't need to be michael jordan shooting threes every single day it's just what am i here to do what is the mission at hand and what is the bare minimum i need to do to accomplish this at a decent level and for me now in that case it was saying hi to people showing them where their seats are and just being a representative for the olympics as a security guard so you make sure your boots are clean you make sure that you have a smile on your face and you just don't do anything unnecessary don't walk around too much don't play too much don't laugh too much because you're going to get exhausted and it's going to show on your face and then you're not going to get more jobs so you have to just learn to be efficient even under high stress be able to give out what is required of you consistently and efficiently i'm not saying be number one all the time because that was a mindset because you look at from hour one you look at it your knees are already already paining you and you're like god i have to do this for another seven hours and i have to be nice to people and i have to be talking on the walkie-talkie then those but but our one becomes our two our two becomes our three and bro there were so many lessons we woke up in our tent one morning and it was soaked full of rainwater because when Niger my my tent mate was a nigerian like me steve shout out to steve we went to the olympics together we just woke up in the dead of night and it rained and our our entire tent was was flooded with water i was lying down inside two inches of you know how cold the weather is how cold the uk can be then you just wake up soaked inside water my phone was soaked my clothes were soaked and that that was like 2 a.m and we had to be at, at the at the sporting venue by seven it just and and that was like that was our my phone just got bad my family couldn't reach me anymore I was out in the middle of London. The only thing I could make sure I could do was make sure I was at the on the staff bus on time, getting to the venue and on the staff bus coming back and make sure that when it's time to eat food, I'm there because I had no money. I, it was mad. 
So on resilience, I had to get. I got to the point where I had to even go and beg for food. Like, but some, some you of the guys are reading my. Food. You're reading my mind <laughs> in my head. What, what I was thinking right now is, if there's any one word I can pick out of this mastery right here, it is the word resilience. I'll never yeah, push it at you, but then you yeah. you beat me to it. Very resilience. Very resilience. Mm. Resilience. Yeah, like he never knew how but we got it done. We got it done. So my second year was, nah, nah, nah. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And and that's why you, no matter how how good you are at anything, you need other people. There's just a point you get to where collaboration is the only way for you to excel. It's just, it's just a, a, a universal truth. So we, you don't know. You need, you need other people to bring out the best in you. You need experiences to bring out the best in you. You can only do so much mm -hmm. alone. So, um, so second year was a stark contrast. Second year was me feeling my own shoes, was me finding out what I was capable of, was me graduating, even after I had that really terrible start with all the Fs in my first year and graduating with a, with a, with, I didn't even attend my graduation. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford to come back to the UK mm -hmm. for my graduation. So it was a story of, I was in the UK for a good time. I wasn't there for a long time. I made sure I got my good grades. I made sure I got, I had fun. I made sure I had got good experiences. But once I was done, uh, I, and I saw that I, I had succeeded, I came back. So that was the, the the contrast. I also set up a cleaning company. Let me shout out uh, Roland Marshall. We set up a cleaning company over the summer of 2012 after I got back from the Olympics because my uh, my awareness of what was possible began to shift. So I started watching a lot more entrepreneurship stuff, a lot more business stuff, and I was like, okay, while like, while there's no work coming in, what can I what service can I render to people? And I I had already seen that I was strong physically. I can stand for nine hours straight. I walk all these long distances. So I don't think physical labor is something I should shy from, even though I was I was lean um, and skinny back then. So Roland and I, Roland is a Cameroonian. He had he put me in touch with two of his other Cameroonian friends who were now immigrants in the UK. They were engineering graduates, but them too, they had that dogged, resilient, we can do anything mindset. And we just said, yo, we'll set up a cleaning company and we'll, and then the one of us had a company that he worked with and he knew that they needed a cleaner. So we set up the company, bought cleaning utensils, then, then told him to tender an application for us to clean. So Saturday and Sunday when he would be off work, we would walk or drive to that place, mop the floors, clean the toilets, sweep the ground, everything, dust, take out the trash. And then that gave me a, a side income to cut that was coming in while I was still going to school, playing basketball, trying to get into live streaming because I was trying to get into live streaming in the UK as well. Many different experiences. The UK was just, I have so many stories I can tell you about the UK. It's so despite the fact that I can tell you I associate the UK with pain and discipline, I can also tell you that I had a lot of fun while doing it because I did so many things. I traveled, I had so much fun before coming back. So it's a it's I think it's a yin and yang thing, it's balanced. Mm, interesting. One thing, one one beautiful thing I associate with your UK journey is uh 
the word resilience, right? And you never know how resilient you can be as a human being <laughs> until you push yourself beyond, you know, certain boundaries and then you discover more about yourself. You learn more about yourself. And I, I for one, can very much relate uh, with that. Uh, speaking about the combat sport uh, scene, right, at the London Olympics, uh, shout out to uh, Anthony Joshua and um, Alexander Usyk. Uh, okay. Anthony Joshua won his um, Olympic gold medal in super heavyweight division in that Olympic. Uh, games and then um, Usyk Usyk won his um, gold medal in heavyweight boxing as well in that uh, 2012 Olympics. So it's fantastic. You I did not. Learned. I did not know that. <laughs> oh wow! You see, I'm an analyst of analysts, right? <laughs> Uh, you are, you, you are, you uh, are. I, 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 I have a combat sport nerd, uh, right, right, right from time. So yes, uh, yes. Tracking, <laughs> tr tr tracking back, right? Like you are mm -hmm. one of like the trailblazers mm -hmm. in um, MMA in Nigeria. So how did you get into MMA? Like we, we know more about you as a person. You know the whole. So one, the two things uh, I associate with your personality, right? I connect. To, from your personality into martial arts are resilience and discipline and those are two things that are required in martial arts two very very important ingredients mm. so how did you mm. um spark that interest in martial arts how did you go into it and you know how did you leave being a fighter to becoming a lover <laughs> So we we have mm, we have the mm, fighters mm, and the lovers, mm, mm. and you have you have stopped being a fighter. Mm, you are mm. now a lover. So mm. how did you transition? How did you achieve that transition? Okay, uh, okay. So I came I came back to Nigeria in 2013, and that that sparked up a whole journey about figuring out who I was going to become in this environment. I needed to figure out NYSC. I needed to figure out whether which kind of work I wanted to do, how I was going to make money. And it led to so many things. So I started up a business. The business did well until 2015. Then we had the elections in 2015. Administrative changes happened. And that turned my every promise, every contract I had worked for as a young man back then, everything just went down the drain. I started, people stopped answering my calls. I couldn't afford to pay rent in the little office that I used to rent out to do my work back then as a web designer, because I used to build websites. That was what's the service I rented as a living. So I used to do that. I would even, I even did complimentary cards for people. Uh, I did, I did, I did a lot of stuff with Photoshop. So whenever people would bring me websites, I would say, okay, why don't as an extra service, why don't I do you? Your complimentary cards why don't i do your logo if you haven't had if you don't have a logo why don't you and i use that to sustain parents but 2015 all that went right down the drain and eventually i had to get a job it took me a year to get a job i got a job with an ngo that for reasons best known to me i won't call the name of I was their head of oh. of them. Wow, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to work yeah. in an edge as well in, in Abuja. Yeah, so, so yeah. Have, right? interesting things uh, are common. Uh, you see, so uh, I, I worked I with the NGO as their head of <laughs> IT, and that lasted for a year. Yeah, I was there for a year from like 2017 till about 2018. And then I got, oops, am I still connected? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I got I got the job. I, I I was there for a year. Then I started working with the National Assembly. 
worked with National Assembly for a bit. Then I eventually started working with the presidency and um, I've been there for the past six years. to 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 go off on its own <laughs> nigeria happening again this conversation mm. is really interesting mm. fantastic conversation so far mm. uh -huh. mm. so. <laughs> all right so i i i worked with that ngo for a bit worked with national assembly then eventually i got a job with the presidency as a software developer did that for a bit but then your question is how did i get into mme what I've, how I got into MMA that, is really that, funny. That transition, the answer is two yeah, words. The transition basically. Back, yeah, the, the, the transition is, is two words, man. It's back pain. I went to work one day to, to type code as a software developer and I just noticed I couldn't stand. I was in so much pain and I was just like, yo, what's, what's all this? Then it, I went to the hospital. I went home and I tried to lift a metal bucket. And as I tried to stand up, like, cause I, I was trying to carry water into the bathroom. As I tried to stand up with the pain, I just felt something snap in my back and it was the most agonizing pain I'd ever experienced in my life. And I was like, what's happening? This led to me not being able to walk pro properly for two weeks. I was just lying down on the floor, just constantly in pain. Then I went for x-rays, went for scans. And then they told me, yo, that um, one of my, that my discs, what, where it's like, it slipped slightly. Was, like, and it was slight, slightly, yes, in the spine. And it's because I'm too weak. And I was like, that was the first time it even dawned on me that all those years sitting down, studying in the library, typing code, not really taking care of my, my, because it's one thing to play basketball. It's one thing to be, to be an athlete. Not, not, not you know, not every athlete is fit. Not every athlete, not, not every athlete is healthy. Let me put it that way. So you can be athletic, okay, you yeah. can be doing athletic things, but, but, but there are parts of you that are just not working right. Your joints, your mobility, you might be dealing with inflammation. You might be too acidic. You might be taking too much sugar, all sorts of things, too much oil. And you're just, you don't know because you, you're still as a young person, you're able to pull out your, 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 whatever energy you need to put up just based off of your youthful exuberance and stuff. And I, w I fell into that bracket. After training, I wouldn't eat right. I wouldn't stretch. I wouldn't do anything. I would just come to my computer, type code for hours, design websites, play video games, hunched over like this for hours on end. And doing that for the better part of 10 years will ruin your spine. So that was a, a reality awakening. Welcome technique. to adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I can, I can very, very much, much relate. <laughs> I can yeah, very much yeah. relate, like so, being to physio, being to chiropractors. Yeah, yeah everything. Agonizing. I did, I did physio, I did physio, I did everything, and it was painful. And I was obviously, you're thinking to yourself while this is happening, how can I never make this happen again? How can I make sure I never experience this again? And that led me to the doors of Body Rocks Fitness Studio, where I met my older brother's best friend, Mayo Icebox Okunu, who eventually became my head coach, who eventually became my manager, who eventually became my business partner and friend, and who was even on my podcast, the last episode of my podcast, amazing guy. And wow. Mayo, start, Mayo started to coach me. He started to teach me about the human body. 
I eventually started got really fit, like really buff, really you what the what the typical picture of fitness is when you think about fitness, the guy with the big chest, big, big biceps, big legs, really chiseled abs. That was me up until 2018. And all through this, even when I was in the UK, I remember there was an M one MMA gym in Bolton and I always used to walk past it and wonder to myself, will I ever have the courage to step into the doors of this gym? And I missed that opportunity. And I always used to think to my, part of the reason I even missed it was because my best friend then used to tell me, yo, you know, you're so skinny. If somebody just punches you, you might just break, bro. Like it's not everybody that is meant to do that kind of stuff. And I let some of those, he and I have talked and laughed about this countless times because he was at both my fights when I eventually started fighting. So we eventually went full circle and cashed out one else. But um, I always wanted to do MME. And when I was strong and, and aesthetically pleasing, quote unquote, I started thinking to myself, yo, what, what next? What's the, cause I'm always, that's what I've always been about. I've always been that guy. I always ask, okay, now that we've done this, what's next? Like I'm hardly what ever content next? and it's, I used to think it was, it, yeah, I'm always, I'm always like, what's next? Okay. We've, we have a podcast. What's next? We have this work. And then I was like, I looked at myself and I was like, okay, you can lift all these weights. You can do all the deep squats. You can run, but what's next? And I searched my con my conscience and I knew there was one thing I was afraid of and that was fighting. And Mayo, as God would have it, was a is a retired fighter now with 16 fights and and I think two losses in the UK. And Mayo just one day I had pulled up the courage and I approached him and said, I want to learn how to do this thing. And he said, Are you sure? I said, Yeah, but I told him you should give me one month that I need to just finish a fitness program I'm on. So I, I was doing this program called Athlean X, which is like an athlete's athlete ready program by, um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name, but um, Athlean X, they're really popular on YouTube. So I did that for 30 days, made sure I finished that challenge. I was thinking to myself, yo, by the time I finish Athlean X, I'm mm. going to be really fit and my cardio will be good. I'll do MMA and then I'll start doing boxing and doing MMA. And I'll be, I'll, yo, I did that for one month, came into the gym. Maya just gave me a basic workout you're just like okay this is the one this is the two throw this one throw this two step in step out do this for two minutes and by the end of it my shoulders were burning my spine everything was hurting my butt and i was like yo i used to think i was fit he said yeah this is a beginner's workout like it's just day, day one just to get your body used to the movements and that was when it dawned on me this is a whole different level you can lift all the weights you want you can run all the track and field you want like fighting is different i knew that this is that the reason i had been afraid of this is because it's exactly what i needed it's exactly what i needed it's a different kind of it mixes everything your your brain your cardiovascular capacity your strength your mental fortitude all those soft skills that i used to build that i've been building through my struggles in the uk through everything that first day just dawned on me this is what i can use it for I can learn this thing and all these skills I have will come together. I'll, I, this is the thing that will break me. I don't think I can, I even think I could do it. The fact that I didn't even imagine I would have two, two fights. I was just like, I just want to learn. I just want to learn because I'm, I'm obsessed with learning. So I'm just like, okay, Maya, teach me. And that sparked from, 20, from 2018 all the way to 2021. I think almost every single day, of every week I was, I spent it at least I was in the gym. I, I was in the gym. I was with Mayo. I was with Chidi. I was with Marcus. I was with Shegs. I was with 
anybody that could teach me something. Coach Andrew for jujitsu. I was under Coach Wally. All and you see that obsession that I've always had. It now became a tool for my personal betterment because the health issues. That's when I started to learn. Oh, you that know everybody. They always tell me, "Your chair, you're so stiff. You're so stiff." Then I always think, "Oh, some people are just born stiff." Then I, martial arts taught me you can train flexibility. You can train anything. You can train reactions. You can train your posture. You can train the way you breathe. That was when I started learning that. Oh, there are different ways to breathe so that your heart, your heart responds physiologically and you get the required outcome in real time. You don't have to be reactive to your environment. Martial arts taught me how to slow things down. I was just like, these are things that seemed like mysteries. It's like people will be talking about them to me before and I'll be like, no, maybe you've, you went to some school, you trained under some guy. Mayo in this heart of Abuja here, waiting at the fine for Sokoto, I just see him for my Shokoto. Mayo just gave me <laughs> everything. Mayo taught me. Mayo, Mayo gave me like the world. What I was thinking, I would have to travel to the UK, travel to the US, travel to Thailand to go learn. Mayo just opened the doors for me. So it came from asking myself, what next? And going for that first sparring session, seeing my own blood for the first time, getting beaten by somebody so casually, so effortlessly, seeing that it's not about how intelligent you are. You have to be strong. You have to be conditioned. You have to be built for this. Not anybody can do it. Not everybody thinks they can fight, but not everybody are fighters. You have to. And I, and I made that choice. I sacrificed everything, sacrificed relationships, sacrificed friendships, sacrificed businesses, sacrificed my expectations, sacrificed money. I changed what my expectations of myself were because it consumed me. I found a journey that has no end, but every step of the journey, for it rewards you for the rest of your life. Every technique that I managed to learn, every technique I managed to polish and dust up and make my own has changed my brain, changed my perception of myself in ways I cannot even clarify, I cannot even communicate with you. Martial arts changed me. It saved my life. Like it gave me something to fight for every day. And that's why I train every day. I have not, I have not missed training for a day and training involves rest and recovery as well my friend so it's like you you fall into this rhythm and pattern of okay my body needs this and you understand that even in training even in rest there's different things you can do to improve yourself okay you're resting your back okay why don't you work your hamstrings you're resting your hamstrings why don't you work your hip flexors okay you can do rotation on your on your legs so that you get higher range of motion with your kicks when you're doing your Muay Thai kicks the martial arts just get so I'm never bored I always have something to work on and coupling that with the mental stuff that schooling in the UK learning all the other soft skills that we've already gone over martial arts just found it just gave me this package this confidence that nothing I could not have harnessed on my own I needed to go out and get beaten I needed to go and rebuild myself I needed to forget about money that was another one money was another thing because there's no money why are you fighting are you fighting because you want to get money? No, you can't get who pay you in Abuja, who pay you in Nigeria. So you have to genuinely do it because you love it. And I fought my first fight. I got paid 15,000 Naira. Did I care? I took my friends out and we just spent it on drinks, having fun that evening because I had won. I had done this thing that I had never thought I was going to do. I didn't care if, if they like, I, I told Mayo that night, I would have done it for free. Second fight, I got paid about 45,000 Naira. I think 30K to show, 15K to win. I, I TKO'd the guy in the first round and then I got my, my pay. 
but I didn't do it money. And that has translated into other things in my life now. I, do, I really don't care about money like that. Like I've seen what the journey, like now, if I didn't say yes to all those opportunities, regardless of how little pay or what, no money at all, would I be on the Kingdoms podcast today highlighting my experiences no. with you? The, 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 the true wealth comes from the experience, the you know? Yeah. You, 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 when you, I don't remember, even my biggest paychecks as a commentator, I don't remember what I used them for. Well, I can tell you where I was, what I was wearing, who won, what round they won, the strike they used, which stance they were in, because that's what it's about for me. I love it. And I've seen that as I, if I love it more, it will reward me more. The money will come through the opportunity that come from being in those closed door conversations, being in those rooms where the, the future is being plotted out in real time, being there. That's where you make money. That's where opportunity. It's not from taking advantage of your of the guy on the streets. I've never taken money from anybody for training them. Anybody that has met me and said, well, I want to learn this thing you do. As, much, as long as I have time, that's my own money. My own currency now, martial arts and life and everything is time. If, if I have time right. I can give you, I'll, I'll train you for free. But if I don't, I won't take money from you. And all through Abuja, the past five years, I've trained with athletes, I've trained with regular newbies, I've trained with, I've, I've sparred, I've never taken money from anybody. And I'm proud of that because I've still been able to figure out a way amidst all, because now the final thing I'll say is I look at this environment, I look at Nigeria, and all I see is opportunity. Whereas all I used to see before was the failures of the government, the failures of the people in power, failures. But now, because of what I've had to go through to be here, I really do believe that anything is possible. I'm not, and I'm not saying that as in as a as a fairy tale fantasy kind of statement. No, I've been this whole story. I tried my best to be because I knew I was going to arrive here at some point. Going through all of this for the past ten years anything is possible anything is possible and so it's 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 changed me it really has all i see is possibilities if you tell me oh why are the fighters getting hurt i'll look at you and be like okay so why don't we get doctors and train them as cage side physicians if you tell me why don't the guys do more jujitsu i'll be like okay why don't we set up a brazilian jujitsu facility in abuja who has the space who's willing to, to do it for us free of charge who can we fly in for to give us seminars if you tell me the commentary level is low i'll tell you okay i'm a good i'm good with communication and speaking just give me a microphone i'll handle it for you that's how i am now i am that i'm like that with my relationship i'm like that with my with my i'm like that with my yeah i can't and i can't i can't turn it off but martial arts and that was my transition into martial arts and it, it became this thing where the more I gave to it, the more it gave back and the more, the less I could leave. I can't leave anymore. I'm too, it's too, it's become too part of who I am, too part and parcel of who I am. I'm, I'm a fighter. Like I think, I think of everything about me has been shaped by this thing called martial arts. The way I think, the way I speak, the way I present myself, the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I breathe, everything. Everything. Look at the poster mm, behind me. It's it's like I. I yeah, I, I was going. I, I was going to talk about yeah. that, right? Style Bender. Style yeah, Bender. Yeah. Like yeah, um, yeah. Style Bender is actually my my favorite, right? He he's my favorite. Um, our our mutual friend Jibril Aminu. Oh wow! So, shout out to Style Bender. I hope he sees this. <laughs> I will make sure he sees this. Uh, 
I'm with your friend Jubil Aminu. He calls me the president of Israel and Israel Fans Association, right? I, I celebrate him a lot. Which I think is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I see I see similarities between yourself and him uh and him. So you guys are both uh, lovers of um, anime. You're both um lovers of uh, uh martial arts, right? And of course, you both have that um spirit of resilience and self-belief. So I see I see a lot of dots connecting between yourself and himself so like how, how much of a motivation would you say he has been for you and in what ways would you say he has actually influenced you know your own character in 2020 after so i had two fights i had one in 2019 i had another one in 2020 then 2021 i told my, uh, mayo and i had this really had this idea that we want to do it international and we said we're going to go to thailand to train and do it a training camp there because i wanted to work on my muay thai and my kickboxing and that at the end of it i would have a professional fight in thailand and come back we had this whole plan to make it happen now covid struck and we couldn't Ooh. do any of those things everything we had planned went into the drain we couldn't do any of those things as a alternate plan during covid i trained my ass off specifically because i wanted to go to city kickboxing when everything was done i wanted to go train in city kickboxing under eugene berman and impossible <laughs> i was already looking at soft yeah i was already looking at software development jobs in new zealand then i was already talking to my girlfriend then about it and she was like she was she's she's the most supportive human being in the world she was she she was with me through my she would she saw me through my fight career and when i knew that i was that we we're going to get married i decided that i was going to put everything on pause and just focus only on my really anything that would get to me because fighting requires a kind of dedication that i wouldn't want to to give while i'm trying to 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 be married to somebody and start up a family so that was that that's that that, that was by the way but to answer your question about israel adesanya's inspiration we were going to city kickboxing like that was my plan that once the covid was over i'm going to go to city kickboxing and start up a new career there that was my plan so israel Israel, there are so many parallels in the sense that I see so many, there, there are many things, overcoming your insecurities, overcoming adversity, staying true to who you are, being, being the style bender, quote unquote, literally and figuratively. He is like, he's, it's because of Israel I dedicated so much time into learning how to fight from either stance. So if you've ever, if you've ever trained with me, if we do one technique on our right on with orthodox, we're probably going to do it maybe a hundred times. We're going straight into Southpaw and we're doing it because I'm like, yo, Israel, Israel always used to say be bystantial. I'm the, I'm the only bystantial fighter in the UFC. And I was like, yo, if I ever get to the UFC, I, I want to be that guy. So I want to be able to do this special thing. Israel affected so many aspects of me. And one of the things I'm proud of is I learned what his role was in my life, like in my development as an athlete, as a fighter early. And I didn't hold any of those expectations. Once I learned that this is what this guy was supposed to be, like a guide, a figure, and I learned what I was supposed to learn, now I look at him like a human being. I've, 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 I, I pardon him. I used to always look at him as this mythical figure before 
But now, after growing, <laughs> after going through my own experiences, after seeing all the things, I just look at him now and I'm just like, he's, I, I can relate with you now, bro. Like, it's no longer a fan thing. It's now a thing of, I just wish this guy, I, I just want him the best in life. Like, I don't even look at it like, oh, the day I meet Israel, this is going to, nah, it's now like, I just want him to be a winner at life. Like, I just want him to make all the money. I want him to be happy. Israel, that's why I'm just trying to let you know how my trajectory with him, because I've gone through this phase of having idols, then having to let my idols go so that I can become who I am. There's a, there, there's mm-hmm. so much, too many, too, too many chefs ruin the soup, you know, and you can, you can idolize <laughs> people so much, so much that you, you forget who you are. You are, you are special. There's yeah. nobody else like you. And it's your job to mm-hmm. figure that out. So learn what you need to learn from people but sharpen yourself in the process, get your diamond shining rights. And I, so it, Usman, I had to go through the same process with Usman. Prior to meeting him, I had to do so many things to get to the point when he and I met and we talked and I interviewed him. And that was a big milestone for me because that year I said I wanted to work with Kamaru Usman. I wanted to interview him. So I did everything I needed to do, despite the, power, the no power, despite all of that, to be the, high, the best analyst I could be. And it led me to that opportunity. I, I, I knew it was coming just because of the trajectory of the sport conversations I was having with people, my own in-depth analysis and research, I just knew that something big was coming. So I needed to align myself as early as possible. I don't want to do to be having the nine to five for the rest of my life. I don't want to, this is, this is, this is eventually something that is building into a bigger picture and plan that I've laid out for myself. So meeting Usman, I had to, that, Usman was one of the people I had to go through that with as well. Um, Dana White was on my list next, but my plans have sort of adjusted a bit now and I'm, and I have, different things that I'm trying to cook up. But uh, I met Usman and I had to understand that this guy, his style, because Usman too, there was a time, my wrestling, I had to tailor my wrestling to kind of mimic a lot of the things he would do on the cage. So cage side wrestling, his work on the cage was something Mayo and I went and spent hours in the gym together, just working on because I wanted to use it in my second fight. And I met him and I just thought to myself, I'm so immensely grateful for the opportunity that this, this career, yeah, I don't have I don't have the money in the bank. Yeah, things aren't great. Yeah, people the con- the country doesn't provide us. But look at what we did. We're here. There could be anybody else in this room right now, but it's you. That's a testament to the fact that you're right. You've been right. All that work, all that studying, all the late hours, getting the injuries in the gym, fighting the analysis, the commentary, you were right. You always felt stupid when nobody would tune into your podcast because you always felt you're giving them the, the real juice, the real sauce. Why are, always, why are they always going for the, like, the spectator stuff? Why are they always going for the knockouts? Why don't they want to listen to you when Nigerians are always complaining? We need, I need a way to, to, to break out of my freedom. I need a job. I need this. I'm just like, can't you see if you can figure this out now? What, what 25 years in the past and these guys are coming to Africa. If we can figure it out quickly, Jobs won't be your problem. Um, Naira, earning in Naira won't be your problem. But we have to do the work <laughs> now. And, um, not not very many people uh, heeded that call, but it led it's led me to so many things. So I've had to respect my heroes enough to let them go and to focus on who I because there's nobody else. I keep telling myself there's no word to describe what you're trying to become, and I say that with all humility. It's like you're building, fighting through media, through athlete representation, through training, through coaching, through the, the electronic content online. You're trying to build something that has never been done. Give yourself some props. Give yourself some credit for how far you've come. 
But at the same time, realize that only you can walk this path. Nobody has done it before you. Nigeria is such a volatile environment. If I say I want to study what Dana White did to the letter and come and implement it here, it will fail. Inevitably. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you cannot replicate it. <laughs> You can't. Cannot the challenges are different. It, right? the bro, it's a new, yeah, it's a new frontier. It's a new front. It's it's a new frontier. It requires a new way, way of way thinking that, that that is that is catered to this environment. Mm -hmm. It's and so that's mm -hmm. so in my mind. I so even Dana. That's why I said I had to let the thought of Dana being a goal because that back then my goal was get the UFC to Africa, give our boys on the ground opportunities. But I've seen how how things can just change. Economics, war. The geopolitics all these things can just change the trajectory of your life two years three years five years down are you going to be waiting for people to come and save you while that is happening no i don't think that's wise i think we need to build what we can right now we need to solve the problems internally we need to come up with solutions that are that are that are centric to us and that's what i i obsess over i'm always trying to solve problems i'm always trying to figure out ways we can move the sports better i'm always trying to find ways we can get the guys better shine get them better representation i'm always trying to do that stuff and yeah so <laughs> that's that <laughs> interesting it's, it's, uh, that, that, that was quite you know a, a long rant right but then you know um two things two things uh, that are important and okay these two things i'm about to say are also aligned with why I resonate with uh, Israel Adesanya. So two things I like to tell people and I have done in my own life as well is believe in yourself and stay true to yourself. I tell, I, I tell people, so I, I'm one person who likes to talk the talk and walk the talk, right? Um, <laughs> nobody can believe in you for you. I can tell you for free, there mm -hmm. were uh, quite a lot of people that that meant a lot to me. And when I wanted to start this podcast, they discouraged me from starting it, like quite close mm. people. Mm. But now they see it and they were like, oh, wow, I'm really proud of what you're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So nobody, mm. it's, it is your responsibility mm. to believe in yourself. And of course, stay true to yourself. Because okay. sometimes in life, when people start to elevate, they want to become like other people. And then it makes them lose their own self-identity. It is okay. always very important to stay true to yourself. When you stay true to yourself, you do not lose your identity. And that's um those are two reasons why I very much connect with um Israel Adesanya. Um okay. I see him as yeah, an immigrant which mm -hmm. I am an immigrant as well, right? Mm -hmm. Who has defied many odds, you know, uh, faced adversity, conquered adversities, right? Which I have done myself as well. And he's somebody, he's Yoruba, mm -hmm. and I am mm -hmm. a Yoruba boy as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he, his, father is a, his father is a chartered accountant. I am a chartered accountant. <laughs> so there are like so many uh, dots that connect. And, he is somebody who is quite outspoken, eloquent, uh, believes in himself and has stayed true to himself. And he has accepted himself, yeah. Accept, accepting yourself comes with accepting both your strengths, your weaknesses, your flaws, and, you know, the, the, the perfections and imperfections of yourself. And it is very important. Mm -hmm. Until you accept yourself, 
you cannot achieve true growth and development as a person. And this goes out to you know everybody, uh, our audience, right? It is very important to stay true to yourself, right? Own up to your failures in life and celebrate your wins as well. Accept your weaknesses, right? And work on them mm-hmm. to become a better mm-hmm. person. And never let anybody mm-hmm. make you believe that you're somebody that you're not. It is very, very important for of you course. to stay true to yourself. Keep believing in yourself. Because people, mm-hmm. people have people put people in boxes. They make you feel like, oh, young Jolof, you're meant to be this, this, this. But then who wrote that script? You're not my God, you're not even my parent or something. And then you're trying yep. to make me believe that this is what I should be. So never believe, you know, what people say you should be. There have been friends, you know, when I wanted to start this podcast, right? They know, yeah, I'm a finance guy, I'm in the corporate world. They'd be like, oh, why not just stick to your corporate world thing? Like, it is difficult to become a chartered accountant. You have to write a lot of professional exams. You know, it's, it's highly prestigious. You'd be like, oh, why would a chartered accountant be in front of a mic, right? But then it is my own God-given mm-hmm. talent. And mm-hmm. I am about the life of impacting people positively, right? Of so course. the idea that a lot of people have when it comes to podcasts is, oh, people, to, <laughs> grown, grown, grown up men, you know, being in front of a mic, talking uh, <laughs> a load of rubbish, Right, talking about women, talking about crazy stuff in society. No, you can change the narrative. You can be the reason why of course. a lot of people will not give up on their dreams. You can be the reason why people would be filled with hope towards achieving their dreams. You can be the reason why people get motivated. And that's of course why I came up with that concept of mm-hmm. you know, sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. In, in our age and time, a lot of people struggle with a lot of, you know, mental health challenges. They struggle with depression. They struggle with, you know, being discouraged. But then when we share our stories, we share our failures, you know, and our successes as well. They see, wow, like you said, this person is just a human being. It's not an idol. Yep. And then you let them yep. be, you wish them well. Yep. But then you draw hope. Yep. You draw inspiration yep. from their life stories. In order to become a better person in life, and you know that is you know what it is about. So big shout out to uh, the Style Bender for being a source <laughs> of you know, hope and inspiration to to uh, the young up and coming people, and of course even um, persons like ourselves. Right, you see people like that stay true to themselves and you know achieving immense success in society, and yeah, you know, it makes you want to stay true to yourself because it is important to keep your identity, protect your identity, and protect your energy. People, yeah. people want to put you in yeah. a box, but yeah. do not be in that box. Right? Be yeah. yourself and yeah. ensure to achieve, you know, impact, positive impact by being yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. apologize mm-hmm. for being yourself. Never. <laughs> Always try to be never. a better version of yourself. Oh, yeah. Of course. You know, there, there, of there's course. also a thin line. There's also a thin, uh, there's also that thin line between, you know, being yourself and being somebody who is resistant to change and correction and improvement right that's not like what we're saying like it is essential to stay humble stay have that learning attitude because when you learn when you're open to learning when you're hungry to learn you discover that you the more you know the more you discover that you don't know 
Uh-huh. That's one uh-huh. thing I, I have discovered with, with my friends that are doing a PhD program. You know, ask them like, uh-huh. oh, what's, uh-huh. what's up with your research? How's it going? You've learned a lot, your PhD. And they're like, wow, it is a humbling experience. The more you yep. get to know in life, the more mm-hmm. you get to know that you actually do not know anything. Right. So it's uh, important to also have that history. Of course. You don't know, but then you are learning and you're helping others, you know, coming along the way to also learn and, you know, be a better person, be open to correction, always try to impact, you know, the society, your community positively. And, you know, you always, you, you, that way, you, you don't need to worry about your legacy. Your legacy take care of itself. Because you would have, you know, <laughs> impact the people. Uh, and that's my, uh, that, so, that's uh, my, that's, that's my, that's my goal. Yeah, legacy, that's all. For me, you just hit my, that's what keeps me up at night. That's what wakes me up in the morning. I'm thinking about my death. I'm thinking about what I'm leaving behind. I'm not, and I'm not saying that with any martial artists. You, you, that we, we kind of develop this really friendly relationship with the uncertainties of life, and one of them is death. Mm-hmm. Because you, anytime you step into a cage or a ring, you, you know that the worst case scenario is that something can go wrong that could heavily impede your life mm-hmm. or end it. And when you, when you, it's, it's, you get desensitized to it over time, and it becomes a, a thing, a well of knowledge you can pull out from. Because you ask yourself, what do I care enough about to do so much, even at the risk of my own life? What, what really is that thing? And trust me, when you start looking at life through that lens, many things start to fall by the wayside. Unnecessary habits, how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, food you eat, how, how much water you're drinking, because you're not living for now. You're living for two years from now. You're living for one year. Why are you training? You're training so that you can enjoy your life, so you can enjoy your life with your children, so you can have a good quality of life. You're not training so that you get followers on Instagram. You're training so that your life can be more meaningful. So when you look at start looking at life through the view lens of legacy, because I had the benefit of seeing Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, Francis Ngannou, all these guys. I had the benefit of being able to call the, the better part of the later stage of their career, the most prominent part of their career, I saw what the things that they did that worked for them. I saw how you should switch from fighting to analyst. I saw how you should not overstay your welcome as a champion because your prime as a fighter, it doesn't like, it's not like it goes gradually. You go to sleep and you wake up and you're out of your prime. I saw all these things happen and I'm just like, okay, so what is the end goal? Why are we all doing this thing? We all know that it's a short trip. We all know that it's going to be, it's for, it's, it's not a thing that is going to feed you for the rest of your life. Why are we doing it? It's legacy. And I started to look at things through legacy. I'm just like, okay, so how does this impact me? Does this conversation, does this thing build towards that legacy? Like when I die, is this, is this going to be added towards that? And yo, my brother, that's how things changed though. I was just like, yo, legacy, legacy. You have to always think about what's coming. How does this look five years from now? If someone heard that 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 this guy said this thing said this thing a year ago, how would they look at me? How does it affect my reputation? My reputation and my time, those are my most valuable assets. How does it how does it affect them? Does it grow them? Does it kill them? What what does it if you look at it like that, then money can now take a side a side seat and you start to focus on only the things that matter. Trust me, that's how growth comes. That's how we have so we bring stars into this country. You see Israel, you see. Kennedy in Zichuku, you see all the don't come because it's it's excellence. That is it's about character, loyalty, 
at the highest levels it's not about how much you got paid in your contracts it's about the relationships you can utilize so that your happy ending after fighting your fantasy ending after fighting is secure you want smart people you want forward thinking people you want people who are at the cutting edge of the sport become that person it's really it's really he's, he's spoken how I, he's, I he's, and that's how you create the opportunities <laughs> the line. you've actually spoken about being smart you know twice in, in this conversation right and I remember Michael Bisping, uh, ex-UFC uh, middleweight champion. And of course, he's now an analyst commentator. Uh, he said something along the lines of, in order to be an elite-level yeah. fighter, you need to be a smart person. You need to have that you know, IQ. So for, for you, do, do, do you resonate with that sentiment? And do you think that um, general IQ actually translates also into fight IQ? I, I think, okay, so fighting is so beautiful in the sense that you can analyze it from so many different angles. Now, you can have good reactions, but you might have poor spatial awareness. If you have poor spatial awareness and I can corner you to, I can get you to the corner of the cage, your reactions don't mean jack anymore. So all of a sudden, your intelligence in one end, in one spectrum can be, can be turned over on its head and made into a weakness if I'm able to exploit it. And that's that the truest guys, the best guys, they, they have timing. Timing is timing is is, is yeah. a byproduct. <laughs> You're talking like Conor McGregor, right? Conor McGregor, sorry to yeah. interrupt you. You know, Conor McGregor said uh, timing beats speed and precision timing. beats power. Timing, yeah. I'm listening how, to true, you. how true, how true is that? How true is that? Yes. You know, Conor McGregor power. said timing, yes. timing beats speed and precision it's true. beats It's true, it's true. It's one speed yes prison beast power it's true it's true it's true trust me it's true being able to throw the fastest strike is not half as important as knowing when to throw it like if i know when to throw no matter how fast you are when what i throw will hurt you more so timing now is now a byproduct of many different things it's understanding the person's takes how do they move when they are nervous how do they move when they are confident do they move with their left hand how do they move with their right hand it's so and you cannot be able to make all those analysis on the fly without being a brilliant mind or even the fighters that can't speak english that are, are going zero and three in the ufc they still they still fall within the 0.1 percent of the best fighters in the world like they're still the best guys in the world so even if they are losing they are still losing to the best guys in the world so the kind of intelligence that you have to have to operate in that space because you have another team now of guys that their entire job is to do the same thing your team is doing to their guy. So they are understanding your nervous tics, they're understanding what your tendencies are, which hand you like to use, whether you, you like to cover yourself on defense when you throw on offense, like all these things. And it's now about who can adapt faster on the fly. There's no way that person is not brilliant. Like they might not pass your standard IQ test, but the kind of intelligence, especially to do it under pressure with such high stakes, yeah, exactly. Demola. I think I, yeah, it's, they deserve they deserve the highest it's, like it's a crazy it, thing. Yeah, yeah. it's I crazy. Mean, I tell people that uh, a, a, a lot of people will never will never in their lifetimes experience the kind of you know pressure that you know fighters experience inside that octagon inside the cage inside the ring. It's a different uh, level of pressure. Uh, it's it is different, but then you know let 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 let's come it back is. to yourself. Like, what would you what, what would you say? <laughs> your highs and lows, uh, generally in life, like your highs, okay. the major highs and lows, basically. 
Um, okay, so I, I think in 2020, I had a series of bad, just I just had bad outings. I was going, I, um, I would go train, sparring sessions were going bad. I was getting injured. My right eye got got really badly damaged. It was out of alignment for a couple of months, red completely. And it was because my sparring partner went a little too hard in sparring. And I wasn't even being as def defensively responsible as I should have been. And it, he collided with my right eye on an uppercut. And the cage of the, the, the door of the cage was left um, open. So my back collided with the cage door and I fell backwards out of the cage, fell like on my back on the floor out of it. It was really bad. That's then so my bad. birthday that year, I, 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 yeah, I had to get six stitches in, um, in May of that same year because I was invited for a sparring session with some boxers. And boxers just have a reputation of going a little too hard um, in, mm -hmm. in Nigeria. It's something that if you ever, if you ever talk about in, in like, fighter circles everybody just be like yeah and so they like they do it's okay so i went and i wasn't as experienced as i am now so um we had a sparring session and it went really badly very badly very badly and this was the weekend of my birthday so i had to get six stitches in my lips um i had to get a, a shit to, like i couldn't eat food properly for like a week or two um and but those experiences led me to a period where i couldn't train actively i had to do other things to occupy my mind i had to occupy my my self just to get through that time and that was when a lot of my analysis my breakdown videos on youtube on instagram i started work learning how to do visual effects i started learning how to do uh, um, animation and editing so that the videos have more presentation i started trying to think about how we could use social media differently so those were my lows but i'm just trying to highlight that despite the fact that they were lows, because this is how you have to understand that this is how my brain um, works I, I can't take an l I just can't like I've been handed L's all my <clears throat> all my life, so I really can't take an L anymore. Like if it's an L, it's I'm just learning something. It's just something I need to just figure out. So I was like, why am I getting injured so much? Am I in line with my purpose? Am I in line with what I'm supposed to be doing? I fought twice already. I already have fame. I would be going places in Abuja, Lagos, traveling around, and people would be stopping. I had like foreigners, expatriates come meet me. A guy came and met me and told me his wife is my biggest fan. She attended my fight, my first fight, and she's been following my career. I went to Lagos. People just come and meet me on the beach. People come and tell me, yo, I saw you on Super Sports. I know. So I had achieved fame and I discovered I don't want fame. I don't like it. And what I'm trying to accomplish, I discovered that fame was getting in the way of that. And I felt that me still fighting, still sparring, still making all that still pursuing that line was going against what i needed to be doing which was creating the way for the next generation of athletes it was no longer about me i'd already fought twice i had already gotten famous i had already got like i told you before you can't there's no money there's no belt there's no there's no legacy to be gotten from fighting as fighting exists right now and i identified that up, up as early as five years ago, four years ago, when I was still fighting. So when I was getting these injuries and I couldn't compete, I now started thinking to myself, okay, with all this experience we've gathered for the past three years, uh, how can we flip it around so that we start creating opportunities for guys coming after me so that they have more stuff to fight for, they have better opportunities, they're better taken care of. And I started developing combat culture deeper, um, developed uh, 
started working in behind the scenes, helped some guys get signed, get some guys' contracts across to the people that need to see them because of all the, the... I have the benefit of being educated and being a fighter. So there are many different things that I can take advantage of that the regular guy just might not because he's just a guy off the streets. All he has is fighting. I have the benefit of both. So I said, okay, it's time. Let's utilize all those skills and let's see what we can create. And um, yeah, this is the outcome now, I guess. Interesting. So, so how about the highs? What, what would you say have been the highs so far? Uh, the, the highs, um, well, I think working on super sports two times in a row and getting all that feedback that it was an excellent performance by myself. Like I, I, that was a really humbling experience for me. I think that was definitely because you never, when I started, I, start, I started by doing back alley shows in Abuja. I used to do shows in nightclubs. I used to do any show that I could get my hands on just to clean up my analytic skill, analytical skills of the sport and being able to do it on that. Like I just wanted to learn because I always, my dream, my current goal is to do analysis on ESPN beside Joe Rogan when the UFC comes to Africa. And that's, I've been working on that for like two and a half years now. So when I got to Super Sports, I was like, yo, we're actually in the big leagues now, bro. Like you, you, you started off from the bottom, but you are literally here. Like there's gonna, this is going to be viewed live in 54 different countries. And it's your face, it's your voice, and it's, your, it's also your time. Like go out there and do all the stuff that you've been doing in the, behind the scenes when people were laughing at you, when people were making fun of you getting beaten when you got the, your eye shots, when you got the stitches, it's time. Go show the world what you can do. So being on that um, commentator's desk and then seeing people send me messages from around the world telling me, yo, you look good on camera, or yo, your analysis is spot on, or yo, I'm loving this, I can't stop watching because of you. That was a, that was a high. Doing that, then being told immediately afterwards that yo, they, they want me to talk to Kamaru Usman about his plans for MMA <clears throat> in Nigeria. That was a big high too. We talked, shook hands. He laughed, at even cracked jokes about his Leon Edwards knockout because this was after the Leon Edwards knockout. And we talked about oh. it on camera. Like he joked, uh, yeah, he joked, he joked about it. Um, which he, he told me what his plans were. And that was another moment because I remember b when I was living in my parents' house in Mabushi, I know you told me that you lived in Mabushi. I didn't tell you the last Yeah. Last time. That's where I used to live. Yeah. My, yeah, my, my parents are in Mabushi. So I remember <laughs> when, yeah, man, it's a cool place. And it's improving as well. Like there's so much development there now. It's it's a really nice place. So um, I love the fact that yeah, I remember being in my, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's, it's, I, I consider it to be one of the best places to own a house in Abuja because it's just central. You have access to the roads. The power situation is good. It's nice. It's peaceful. So everything. So I would remember nights where I would be lying down in my, my bedroom in my parents' house editing videos for YouTube. Back then, I still cared about views. I don't care about views anymore. I don't even care about uh, engagement or all those things. It's just about getting the work done. Just do the work. It's not about, I don't, so back then I'll be, be getting sad some nights. Oh, nobody watched this video. Look at how nobody cared about this. We asked them to send emails. Nobody sent this. Well, I remember when I would want to motivate myself, I would think, man, a day is going to come when I'm going to interview Kamaru Usman. And I'm talking to you now and I've done it. I've, I've met him twice. I've worked with him. I've worked under him. I've interviewed him. And this is as late, as early as four years ago. This is not like I'm saying 10 years ago. This isn't, this is like, how, how long has Kamaru Rusman's time on the top been? It's not, it's just been about three, four years. 
I, in that period, I said, no, a day is going to come. I'm going to interview him. Keep working. Keep working. Keep working. And the day it was, as it was happening, I remember looking at it. I was like, God, Omo, now so life be, is this life? Like you can dreams, actually, dreams become reality. Be. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can create definitely. and even worse when, when the time comes, you can look at it and you'll be like, yeah, this is just another day, man. I have work to do tomorrow. Like there's more stuff to do tomorrow. When you even get there, it won't even be as much of a big deal for you anymore. And I'm like, is this, exactly. is this it? Is this life? This is life. So you can keep getting this every single day of your <laughs> life. I'm an addict. Exactly, I'm an addict. brother. Yeah, I'm an addict. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's it's interesting how sometimes you 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 yearn for something, you desire something so much, right? And it, it does happen to me um, a lot. You know, anytime I make like a major achievement, I'm usually not excited. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. What next? What because next? Because I well, because I manifested it like I'd yes, seen it yes. coming. Yes, I yes. wanted it to happen. Yes. So yes. for me, anytime like there's a major achievement, I just I don't know. It it, it works differently for different people. For me, I yes. just stay reserved. I just keep a low a low profile. I probably just stay alone and you know reflect. I don't go celebrating. Yeah. I just you know reflect yeah. for a while. Yeah. I, it takes a while for it to kick in. I understand <laughs> because in my head I'm like, okay, I'm already working mm, on the next mm, thing. Mm. Yeah, so so I can I can very very mm -hmm, much uh, mm -hmm. relate with that. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It's mm -hmm. it's it's the journey called life, yeah. right? But then um, I see like you, it, you it have is. like a, a lot of a lot of proud moments, a lot of proud moments, and of course I do. I I, I for I one am proud of you, and if I'm not proud, if I wasn't yeah, proud of thank you, you wouldn't be thank on the you. Kickness podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, my brother. So, um, how would you say you achieve work-life balance? Like, Whoa! How do you say that's a crazy balance, one, right? And 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 what are your major oh. hobbies and personal interests? Yeah, so that's a two in one oh, for you. Okay. Yeah, two in one. All right. So, work-life balance for me is complicated because I've had to change what my expectations of certain words are. The English language, even the English language, I've had to change my expectations. I've I've discovered that when somebody says, "Oh, I went through a traumatic experience." And when I say I went through a traumatic experience, they both mean trauma in English language. But in terms of the weight of the experience, they may be very different things going both ways. And mm -hmm. so these days mm -hmm. when people like so, so I think it's very important when I before I, I answer that a question this loaded, like how do you achieve work life balance to, to define what work life balance is for me? Because what I what the social general knowledge online or whatever is and what I have been able to carve for myself or understand for myself might be different. So for me, work-life balance is I need to get to a place where I'm always playing. I'm always playing. <laughs> Literally, I need to get to that place. That's why, because, and like, let me bring it back to fighting since so much of this is tied to my, um, my combat career. When, when, because I discovered that I didn't care about the pain, I didn't care about the soreness, I didn't care about the injuries because I, I was playing, I was having fun, I was loving what I was doing. So you don't even, if your left leg is paining you, you just learn how to do it with your right. And so for me now, it's become a philosophy in life. I believe that why I'm here 
is to discover my potential I had when I was a baby, when I was a child and I had all that boundless curiosity, all that boundless potential inside of me before life actually started to chisel me down and break me down. I, I'm in a place now where I'm, and what are kids always doing? Kids are always playing. Is they either eating, they either sleep, eating, sleeping, or they're playing. They always want to play. And so now work life for me is in a thing of, okay, somebody else might say you've been on the podcast for one hour, 45 minutes, but I'm like, yo, man, we were just catching up on MMA stuff. I was just telling him about my stories. I was, I'm having fun. It's not work anymore. If you ask me, how did you do the podcast and um, all that stuff you do? You don't, you post every day you, and you still train every day. How do you do it? I don't train. I play every single day the train the trade the play I, I play can just be called training but i'm literally playing i'm playing doing solving problems with my mind i'm doing memory exercises i'm balancing on one leg i'm running distances i'm seeing how far how my heart holds up i'm playing i'm not training if you ask me at the podcast i'm so for me work-life balance is a thing of okay how much play can we fit into one day then how much of that play can be productive like how much of that play? Because Nigeria has shown me the value of time. I don't have the luxury of going to the club. I don't have the luxury of womanizing because time is so valuable. It is literally, I don't have money. Even the money to say, let me go and do those things. I don't have it. Everything I have is literally going into this one thing that gives me joy while I'm here. So if you ask me, how do I achieve work-life balance? It's play. My play has become the things that give me fitness, that give me health, that give me wealth, that give me, that give me wisdom, most importantly. But I'm always playing. Even right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm storing, I'm storing things in my head and I'm like, okay, how, how long can we hold this thing so we don't forget it? Then just when the point is about to leave my head, I bring it back. That's play. That's a jab. That's timing in fighting. That's play. So for me, it's work-life balance. So, so I wake up 4 a.m. every day. People that know me know this. And it's so I can train from training. I'm eat, I'm doing my morning routine, drinking my smoothie. I'm studying, I'm reading the news. I'm doing everything I need to do before work starts by seven. That's the most fun part of my day. When the sun is low, there's no sound. I can edit the podcast. I can read, record the, the, do my writing. I can do my reading. I can read my books. Seven, I'm on my way to the office because my colleagues will get in around nine. So I have a two hour window where I can now focus on professional developments because this is what I mean. Time, it's like I've seen that it's not enough to just be a top level MMA commentator, analyst, fighter mm-hmm. in Nigeria. No, it's not enough to be a, high, a software developer. No, these are, and it's not fair, but yeah, it's life. That's the, these are the cards we've been given in this, in this country. And you, since I've learned that it's no longer about money, it's about time. It's like, how quickly, how well can we utilize this? So from work, I'm coming, I train in the morning, go to work, do my, my studies at work, tra- come back from the office around 4 p.m. I train in the evening, do whatever else I need to do, edit, do my whatever. If I'm really in a good mood, I might drive to the park, run around the park, do my 10-kilometer run. I try to do that twice a week. I do my mobility work before sleep, do my flexibility, everything, breath work, everything. I try to de- make sure every day I do all those things. Why? Because I'm playing. When you want, if you ever want to see me in a place where I'm anxious, where I'm not too great, where I'm not as calm and composed as I am, now everybody compliments me on, on my composure and I give God the glory for that. I've always had it. But if you want to see me anxious, I'm the worst when I'm anxious. And it always happens on the days that I rest when I'm supposed to have trained. Because for me, 
you have um, the anxiety, my way of, of, of pushing the anxiety out of my body, of pushing the stress out of my body is by making myself stronger. So if I don't train, you'll see me very anxious. You'll see me complaining. Mm -hmm. You'll see me worrying about the future. You see me saying, I'm, I don't want to work. I'm too tired. I'm this, I'm that. But if I'm, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to, so basically that's my, how do you achieve work back like balance? I don't want to beat it too much. Play, just turn it into play. Interesting. So like um, your, your, your hobbies, right? What, what would you say those are? Oh, I love learning, man. I love learning. I love reading. I love learning. I love watching people teach i love seeing masters at their crafts in any craft be it cooking be it fighting be it be it paragliding snowboarding i just love seeing because i've just i've seen that mastery is a transferable skill and all masters know this and the student gets stuck in trying to be the student but the master is a true master understands that his job is just to create more masters like him and you get to mastery through efficiency but this to do it's it's just i love learning i love seeing masters at work i love reading books i love understanding history i love understanding the psychology of people i like talking vulnerably with people so that they know <clears throat> it's not about being an inspiration or anything it's just like everybody i just need everybody to know i've discovered most of us don't realize that everybody's a human being just like you like as as grandiose as all these stories i've told you have been every human being on this planet is going through it in their own way it's just that we don't talk we don't share we don't everybody we have all these um, all these books all these boxes that we we fit very neatly into and i just like to talk to people i like people to know that you you can you can have a beer in the evening with your friends have a good time and still go run 20 kilometers in the morning and be great by the afternoon and have a, an amazing day and have an amazing life like you can because something i need to highlight for you is um so so one of the reasons i'm saying i like learning is because nigeria has shaped me so much in terms of the fact that i all of us in this country are always problem solving you're always solving a problem you're always solving the electricity you're always solving your power you're always solving water you're always you're always so one of the things that i've seen is that if you can just focus on being that guy you can just if you can just be at least it just be that stability in the life of one or two people in your life like great things great things can happen so learning has mm. been a way for me to 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 cover of those gaps. I mean, like I can't. I've re I read. I read. I read sociology papers. I read psychology papers. Like I I I I read. I I just because the environment has put it in my head that I'm on a clock. Like I'm on a really tight clock. I need to find a way to have fun. The way I used to go to the club every day when I was in uni, but as an adult now, still be able to have fun that that same way, but still be putting out world-class level stuff every single day and mm, so my hobbies have very have very very much become one with my habits and like when i'm playing video games i because i still play video games my, my ps5 is right beside me when my girlfriend comes tomorrow <laughs> like we'll probably play god of war together but like when i'm playing video games now i'm i'm trying to understand 
the storytelling. I'm trying to understand narratives, what the animations animators did. Because remember, I told you I want to make a video game at some point. So for me, the incentive to keep doing this thing I love is that I get to learn. I'm getting, I'm seeing how the top, the greatest minds in the world apply art, apply music, apply rhythm, pacing, storytelling to video games. I'm learning and I'm having fun. I'm doing what? I'm playing. It's my philosophy. And so when I'm done, that knowledge translates into my Nigerian, my Nigerian nerd YouTube channel. I try to distill that to teach other Nigerians that, okay, look at what people are doing. Look at how they break this. Look at how they take inspiration from modern religion and apply it to this fantasy world that they are building. And I get, it doesn't, the videos don't get a lot of views, but if 500 people view you breaking down is it's really simple topic that can make their lives better. Me, even just 10 people viewing a YouTube video is, is a win for me. Even just five, I can barely fit 10 people into my living room on a good day. So just 10 people, 500 people. I don't, I, and that's what I mean when I say the views don't really, I've had to change my own meaning of what these things Respectful. are. So, I, and so, yeah, all my hobbies be, bleed into into what I do. Like fighting bleeds into combat culture, gaming, all that other <laughs> stuff, training, reading, studying leads into Nigeria nerd, and all those things are building into a future that God willing, um, I'll manifest for myself and those around me when the time comes. Mm, interesting. So, so what skill or competence would you say you have, right? And you're proud of, but people do not know about. <laughs> oh man um critical thinking and analysis i think i think i, I think mm. i'll give myself props there um it's a thing i I've, okay i've i've been i've been i've been tested on occasion on several occasions and so far i haven't been found wanting to the glory of god like i keep trying to improve in that regard um empathy being able to to relate with people i've been able to talk to fighters from the Democratic Republic of Congo. I've spoken with fighters from the, the Niger Republic. I've spoken with fighters that can speak English, fighters that speak exclusively French. I need to get a translator in. And I've been able to make all, all of them laugh. I've been able to make all of them smile. I've been able to make all of them tell me their stories. And it's because I'm a real guy myself. I don't I don't hold back my punches with people. Like I'm I come at you straight. If you give me 100 percent you you always receive 100 percent from me. So Generally, what I've discovered is people give me 110 back when they see that that's, that it, that honesty is there. So empathy, being able to feel what people are feeling, being able to let them know that you are listening to them, that you are not just hearing them. Um, and that has helped me become a better person just as a whole, better friend. So I'm, I'm usually the guy people lean on when they need something, when they need advice, when they need support, when everything is falling to hell. I'm usually the guy that they call to, 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 to come and turn out the fires. And I've learned to embrace that. I, I love pressure. Pressure makes me happy. Like it gives me, it gets me excited when they say 55 different people, 55 countries are going to tune in and or 10,000 people are listening to you speak right now and you can't make a mistake while you're speaking. I love it, it makes me happy. It gives me excitement. It's a way to give glory to God as well. That's the most important thing because I, I always let people know that as much as it sounds like I'm disciplined and I'm this and I'm that, it's God. Like last, last, now God. Like I could have died on so many different occasions before getting to, to this point that I just have to give God glory. So, um, so yeah, man. It's another thing I try to do, which is now, which is now the, the hardest thing, let me tell you, the hardest thing. Don't take it any of it too seriously. 
Don't take any of it too seriously. Don't take the wins seriously. Don't take the L's seriously. Don't take the mistakes seriously. Don't take yesterday seriously. Don't take tomorrow seriously. Everything I'm taking seriously is right now. This conversation, after I'm done with this conversation, what am I doing next? And don't take any of it seriously. If, if people laughed at you, I, I, have, I looked at my old boxing videos like hitting the bag this morning i couldn't even watch more than two seconds of it i was like whoa but i had the courage to post it up and and now that i'm, I'm so much better i'm it's the, the the improvement is so much clearer and i'm just like yes i'm really happy i didn't take it too seriously back then like i'm really happy that i didn't care when people laughed at me i'm really happy that i didn't care when i failed when i was making mistakes i think i really don't care about those things i don't care, care i've cried in the middle of the gym because i got beaten so hard like tears were coming out of my eye I've been through so much and I've just discovered don't take yourself too seriously, man. Like all of us are on this mm. rock spinning in space, living by God's grace. And Interesting. We're going to die. So just have, just have fun every moment of the day. Yeah. Interesting. So speaking of your critical thinking skills and of course your empathy, uh, we're going to put that to test. Um, in the last few questions that we have on the pod, mm. right? So uh, typically on the pod, the last mm. question usually is what advice do you have for upcoming, you know, professionals, businessmen, young people, young people generally, in general rather, that is what advice do you have for the young up and coming, you know, individuals in society? So what would that be? Mm. Okay. It's important to remember at every point in time that this is the very first time that this point in time has ever happened or will ever happen. What do I mean by that? You are literally the first of your kind. Like there's never going to be a demola ever again. 20, whenever I'm talking to you now, 2023, 23rd, there is never going to be another Demola. And by virtue of that, everything that Demola is doing now, he's the first of his kind to ever do it. There's nobody else has ever done. There's never been a guy named Demola that went to, to, to the UK, started, did accounting, started up with this with your same background. Never. It's you. And you are very much the, if you look at it that way, then that means you are very much the rider of the horse and the horse at the same time. You are both the captain of the ship and the ship at the same time. And what that means is that you should make it a priority to do everything that you are supposed to be doing. Make it a priority to do all the things that Oche is supposed because nobody else is going to do what Oche. Oche, this, this is this is the only Oche a Dache that has ever lived and is alive at 2023 and is an MMA podcaster and is this and that and that. Okay, so we know who Oche is, right? Let's go do what Oche is supposed to be doing. I'm not asking the question of what am I supposed to be doing or no, no. I have the benefits now of knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've suffered, I've gone through all these experiences that I've, I've I laid out for you, really life-altering experiences that have shaped me. And now, the benefit of that is I know what I'm supposed to do. And so now that I know it, why don't I just go and do it? 
It might mean waking up early in the morning. It might mean reading new topics and learning new skills. It might mean studying what the greatest minds in commentary and analysis in combat sports do. How do they pace themselves? How do they talk? How do they analyze the situation? It also means innovating. It means putting my or chair into everything I do. It means this podcast has to be the only podcast that sounds like Oche Charles Edache with King Dames ever. It's going to be in the annals of history. That's how I look at it. It's I gave my best. I gave my best for these two hours and one minute now that we've just hit. It doesn't matter how many people watch. What matters is you. Ha I gave you my full uninterrupted attention. I've won. I've won. This is, this is, this is, it has, sh it has shaped the rest of my morning. It why? Oche did what Oche was supposed to do. So it sounds like really, really old man village advice, but, but if I, this is, this is how I get things done. It's, it's really, it's really, it's how I get things done. You know when you need to train. You know when you're unfit. You know when you're not, when you're drinking and eating the wrong things. You know when you're, when you're spending time with the wrong friends. You always know. So just do the thing you're supposed to do. Figure out why. First of all, just figure out why. There are always root causes. There's traumatic things. There's me mental disorders. I used to have, I used to believe that I had ADHD. I never thought I'd be able to, that's why I, I keep telling you, oh, I'm playing games with myself. I have to keep an idea, then go far away, then come back and catch it because I'm testing. Do I really have that ADHD? Eh -eh, let me, let me show myself. I can do it. I can push it a little bit further. I can test my memory a bit further. I can be a bit more engaging without losing the topic of the conversation. Just push yourself, push, then come back. It's a game, but it's a game, but I'm giving you my best at every point in time. So this is what mm. me makes this is what makes me happy. It's gonna be different for everyone, but figure out what makes you happy, figure Ooh, out what's something yeah. that can give you this kind of joy. You. This kind of I wake up by the, the, the dead of night and yeah, well, that's what works for me. Thank you. Interesting. So uh we have a tradition at the end of the pod, right? So the previous guest leaves a question for the next guests. And of course, the current guest leaves a question for the next one. So the question that has been left for you is a question from Nancy Corsa. She is the CEO and founder of the Black Business Enterprises uh, in the United States. They have presence in, I think, about 48 states um, in the United States. And she is a very influential Black woman, right? She, 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 she has done a lot for the Black community. And she's dropping this question for you. It's it's a very simple one. Uh, she says, "What would you what would you do to end world hunger?" All right. So, hunger can be described in many different ways. There's the most literal sense, which is physical sustenance. There are, but but you can attest. I can look at Demola now, and I can tell Demola is not hungry for food but you're still hungry you're neither have i let's well let's say we're fasting let's say both of us are fasting okay. if you want to go and eat you can okay. go and eat you can eat you can provide okay. for yourself but but that's but not, but does that mean your capacity to give yourself food now does that translate into you saying that you're not hungry for anything at all no, your 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 goals change as you aspire towards more. And if I'm going to give you an answer, and I want to be honest with you intellectually, I can't just give you an answer about how do you 
get people to eat more? How do you get more people out of poverty? Because that is the hunger that is most pressing. And we see, I would like to give you an answer that is a bit more holistic and a bit more horizontal in my thinking. I look at people every day and as somebody who discovered that it's possible to achieve your potential with the most limited resources, without anybody believing in you, without any support from your society or your environment, I've, I've seen that it's truly it's really possible to reach your potential with nothing at all. All of us have it inside of us. But the issue now is most people suffer from what I like to call poverty. But it's not poverty in terms of wealth. It's poverty of the mind and poverty of the body. Poverty of the body translates into your health and your wellness. Most of us are unhealthy. Most of us eat the wrong things. Most of us are inflamed. Most of us have poor range of motion in our hips, in our spine. Most of us are inflexible anymore. Most of us wake up with all sorts of pains in our necks, in our bodies. Most of us are not healthy. Now, our translation for what freedom from this kind of unhealthiness means comes from money. We think about if I'm rich enough, I can, I can afford the best healthcare. If um if I have enough money, I can fly my my family outside of Nigeria. They'll, they'll have a better life, first class. Um, it'll be first class citizens in a, in a first world country. All of that. But I'll give you an example that recently turned that philosophy on its head, and it's recently GlaxoSmithKline and a few of, of the pharmaceutical industries that produce in Nigeria left in 2023. The cost of medical care in Nigeria now is in my opinion it's 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 irresponsible of you to expect that you can get healthcare to solve your problems because it's so expensive i have a friend alan 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 had kidney kidney replacement surgery done 3 years ago so he's always on medication to keep his immune system in check so that his body can keep taking to the new kidney that he's taking Alan used to spend about 90K or something a month for his medication before he, after GSK and these companies left overnight, he spends about 250,000 Naira now every month. We're talking like a 300% increase overnight. Your earning power, you know, increase the, the cost of your, of your currency, the value of your currency is dropping, but that's his new normal. Nobody is going to apologize. Nobody is going to compensate him. There's not, that's his new normal. And that is Nigeria. So for me now, it's a thing of, you need people to be free. You need people, you need people. And when I say free, I need, I mean, poverty of the body now is taking control of your health. It's taking control of what you eat, when you sleep, when you wake up, when you train, how much you eat, everything, how you breathe air. Are you breathing through your nose? Are you breathing through your mouth? Okay, stop breathing through your mouth. You breathe through your mouth so that your brain can get more oxygen. Your immune system gets strengthened more. Okay, what do you drink? You drink sugar? Okay, we can't have sugar anymore. That ruins your immune system. That causes you inflammation. That's why you have all this swelling, all this pain. We need to get to a point where people start to look at their health as something that they have complete and utter control over. Now, somebody will look at me and say, uh, who's this guy, bald head, just sitting down here in his house in Abuja, giving, giving the, all this advice for something that he doesn't know. And I'll just say, just, just, just stay with me. I'm asthmatic. I used to be asthmatic all my life. Secondary school was a living hell for me because I used to, once it's Hamatan, like it's Hamatan right now, asthma would kill me for the three months that I was in school. Misery, just health and breathing issues, lung issues. 
they used to tell me take your ventolin inhaler take steroidal inhaler take this take that and i used to take those things and they would provide you temporary relief but when i started to understand my body not the human body now not medicine not what medicine eh, my body my own cycles my own macros my own macros how do i operate how do i operate efficiently i started to understand it i started to see that oh there were inefficiencies in the way i breathe i used to prioritize my left my left side my right side over my left side oh there's this there's that i have posture issues i have demola step by step over the past four years all those issues have been solved not by virtue of seeing a chiropractor, not by seeing I am the most healthy I've ever been in my life. I don't have asthma. I run 10 kilometers in Hamatan. Hamatan. An asthma patient will tell you running Hamatan is death. It's akin to suicide. I do it now twice a week, effortless. I just need to focus on how I'm breathing. I have freedom in the sense that I, I have not caught malaria in over in getting to four years now. I don't wake up with body pains. I train every single day and I don't get sore. I don't lose my consistency for anything because there's a freedom that my body has now afforded me. I'm supple, I'm malleable, I'm able to adapt to my environment. When there's no light, boom. If I don't, if I, I don't need to go to the gym anymore, I set up a gym at home, as I told you before. I have freedom. I can truly speak to the fact that you can be free of your body. Despite your limitations, mosquito, they bite me. When I come out, mosquito they bite me. It's not a thing of ah, you they spray your house, mosquito no they bite. Eh, mosquito they bite me. <clears throat> you want to tell me I don't get, um, that I don't drink uh, water that isn't isn't that isn't that is one hundred? No, the water I drink too, I know it's not it's tainted. I know that it's still. But why am I not falling sick? Why am I healthy? I understand my body, and that's the first freedom I feel. Everybody, if you can give, because me now. I ask people, what's the difference between what I'm telling you and you going to a church and a pastor touches your head and then gives you this thing that he wants you to do at a specific time every day. And then every day you do it for like three weeks and they say, oh, on the third week, pastor, my neck stopped paining me. I could not walk. My knee is no longer paining me. I always used to wake up by that 3 a.m. and do that exercise that you used to tell me to do. What? It's a what? It's a miracle. But if I come at you now and tell you, no, 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 we can actually look at this and work on it together and we'll get your knees straight, we'll get your back straight, we'll get your eyesight sharper, we'll get your reaction time, we'll get your lungs stronger, we'll get your cardiovascular. Is that, is it, you will tell me, no, I'm coming with all this mumbo jumbo, all these things, it's not, it's not, but if somebody else with a religious backing of an institution does it, it's, it's, so basically freedom of the, of the body, then freedom of the mind. This is how, what I want to round up on. The only way you can get people to no longer be poor, to no longer be poor, is to let them understand that there is an entire universe of potential laying dormant inside of them. And your job as a, as a friend, as a brother, as a Nigerian, as an African, should be to educate them on the power that they have inside of their mind. If they can utilize the tools at their disposal, if they can teach themselves key skills that they are passionate about, the way... I taught myself and I went to seek out teachers in combat because I was passionate about combat and it has given me a layer of freedom that most people may never experience. That's the same way anybody can achieve it. It's literally just about taking advantage of what is inside of you. So you need to educate people on how to educate themselves. I'm not saying educate people on being programmers. I'm not, no, you, people need to learn how to learn. Like you need to be able to look at life as a series of transferable skills. Okay, I have all these good interpersonal skills as 
as a podcaster? How can I translate that as a salesperson? How can I translate that as a anything? It's just transferable skills, but you can only achieve that level of freedom if your mind is open, if you're able to take on new ideas, if you are, if you have, if you are not poor mentally. So a question that I will, since I know I'm going to send my own, I, cause I have my yes. own ideas for a lot of these things. It's why I, <laughs> uh, I teach so, so, I, I, I so much. For the, next and, <laughs> the question, I'm, the question I'm being is if you were to free people of, of mental poverty if you were to free people me i've told you the body the, the poverty of the body you come you can figure that you can learn you can you can be you can build that that is something that any human being can do but the one of the mind is tricky because you need other people mm. even the one of the body you, you still need other people i'm speaking from a place of experience now so i can say oh i give i do it myself so i can do it but to, before i got here i had a slew like series of coaches from I, um, Mayo Icebox Okunu to Marcos Cortez to um, Shegs Ogunoiki to Chidi B Boy the Mill Wanko, all these people. Shout out to Shegs. Shout out, shout out to all these guys. Shout out to Shegs, shout out to Taurus Martial Arts. And what I've taken, I have my own thing now that is now uniquely mine and, I, and I've infused it into it and it's now giving me dividends. So <laughs> my question to the next guest is. How would you free people from the poverty that they experience in their minds? That's it. Hmm. How do you free people from the poverty of the mind, right? That would be the yes. question for the next guest. And they've got their work cut out of them. <laughs> wow. Of course, with that, we come mm -hmm. to the end of the pod today. It's been a really long and interactive session, right? And it's been very insightful, very inspirational at some point, emotional as well. But really, yeah, I yeah, am always yeah. very, very big on gratitude, right? Uh, I have a very big attitude of gratitude. And with that, I would like to say a very, very, very big thank you, Kiyomjala, uh, for your time. I, I was telling somebody yesterday, um, the unit of measurement of life is time. I want somebody to waste your time, they waste your life, yes. right? So thank you very much for yes. sharing your yes. life uh, with us on the Kingdoms podcast, right? And the yeah. sharing of your life is actually going to be very inspirational to people who are going to listen to this. Uh, thank you very much. I wish you the very best in all of your future endeavors. God bless you, my brother. Thank you, thank you my it. brother. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity. Do you want to give anybody a shout out before uh, we eat? End of oh, uh, 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 shout out to my girlfriend, Christina Lewis Faltas. Um, Kai, like without my babe, damn, like this would be so much harder. But she's always, she's a consistent, constant force of reassurance and inspiration and support uh, and omo i cannot wait to see her tomorrow man so yeah shout out to my babe shout out to my family because my family too um i've 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 had the, the 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 pleasure of being looked at as the neighborhood fool like the guy that's just doing the thing that people are like oh, why the hell are you doing this you're getting hurt you're getting beaten but one of the things that made that, that period good for me was my family even when they didn't understand, even when my parents were worried, even when my sisters didn't want me to do it, they would always look me in the eye and ask me, 
do you want to do this and are you okay and i would say yes and they would always say in that case you have my blessing my older brother covered my fights both my brothers were at my second fight they both covered my one of them was a cat was with the camera my brother other brother walked me out he was even the person that got the picture of me when i won so shout out to my girlfriend shout out to my family and then shout out to my friends they're not very many anymore but the few that have stuck around <clears throat> kene kene my brother ah uh, man kayo uh alan my coaches i can't stop man like because it's, it's it takes a village to raise a child and i'm definitely still a child as i've as i'm playing along with all this so yeah thanks shout outs to all those guys and thank you for giving me the opportunity okay thank you very much once again god bless you peace bye <laughs> uh